horrifying. Horrifying Winnie the Pooh uh, t-shirt. It was given to me by our dear friend Tom. Oh, he's a he's a big t-shirt giver. I know, he Ian. Is. I know. Yep. Uh, welcome to the CU Podcast, number 155 for Tuesday, April 9th, 2019, alongside Ian Ferguson, who still has my blood sport shirt. I'm Pat Contry. Um, we got a lot of stuff to cover. WrestleMania 35 yes. just passed. We're covering that. We're talking about uh, uh, the controversy with, with the Sekiro game and using cheats in games. Are you a real gamer or not? We're talking about a couple of prototype stories, one good, one not so good. Uh, we'll also be talking about a scumbag seller, Prince Harry, weighing in on Fortnite, uh, and, <laughs> and um, also a Patreon poll topic. And Tales from the Game Store makes its triumphant return. Um, so, Ian, uh, real quick, before I get into what's going on with you, uh, hit a milestone. I finished my last written reviews for a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. Wonderful! Congratulations. The last ones, uh, Super Mario World, which was a, a full, full, uh, full page review. Um, and then I went into Super Mario All-Stars, and then the combo one, which is, like, not really a full review, but it's, you know, Super Mario World slash All-Stars, which was a later packing game. What do, what do you even write for something like well, that? Well, you say it's a later packing game, then, you know, see the full reviews for more. So at that point, it's like, yes, it's the last one. You don't have to play it. But I played through all the games, uh, all of them, the past couple of weeks, Super Mario World and all the ones on um, All-Stars on, on, on Twitch. Uh-huh. I've, been, I've, been, I've been, I'm catching up with uh, Ninja. Yeah, I've been streaming. I got maxing out, you know, 140, 49 <laughs> concurrent viewers. But um, it's Twitch is interesting. I see why people dig it. Um, it's not good for, to, for at least for me for being able to play hard games and complete them more easily. I'll say that because um, you're distracted by the chat and your mind. You know, the the, the part of your brain focusing on, on on difficult gameplay is probably also the same one thinking about funny things to say or interacting. So. Um, I really needed all that because when I, this is the first time I've ever, ever played through Lost Levels or the Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2. Are you aware that we did not get the Japanese Super Mario Bros. Yeah, I'm, got, I am aware. We got a game called Doki Doki Are Planet you aware? We, are you aware? But um, uh, Lost Levels is trash. I'll just say that. It's a trash game. They, they, they forego good uh, stage design from the original. We'll just throw tons of enemies in your way and traps and just make it fucking difficult like on its face. And I didn't realize there's dead ends in that game. Oh, yeah. There's this whole... There's a 6-1 stage that's a dead end. That you go through a warp. You're like, oh, I'm warping to, to World 6. No, no. You're warping to nothing. You're yeah. warping to, to the end of your game. Yeah. <laughs> and there's stages that's the same thing. There's stages that you can get to and not realize, oh, I missed a, a vine or something. I got... It loops back around. And there's looping stages mm-hmm. that happen like several times in the game. It's trash. I'm sorry. It's not a good game. I don't hate it. Did we play through the whole thing? Yeah, I did with did? cheats, but yeah. Oh, I used save states to yeah. do it. I did it legitimately. I had to use save states for something because I wasn't going to spend 18 hours to beat it. I mean, it. it wasn't great. <laughs> I'm just saying I didn't, I didn't hate it. it. Oh, it takes an, uh, a five-star classic game and makes it like above average. And you want to say that? Like it just reduces sure. it. Yeah. There's barely any power-ups in the game. Um, I got the fire flower like once or twice in the game because whenever you get a mushroom, you get killed instantly yeah. right afterwards. And they put the fucking poison mushrooms in for no good reason. You know, it's just like it's 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 a, it's a game troll. It's like the Mega Man of the Super Mario Brothers series because it punishes you for going forward at a fast rate. It does. Like you have to memorize shit in it. And in Super Mario Brothers game, you shouldn't have to memorize shit constantly. So there it is. It's a Mega Man of the series. Sorry, but now I only have a few more sections to write for the book. By the way, if you want to pre-order Ian, it's ultimatesnes.com. If you if you personally want to pre-order it, you could. I'll get it. Uh, you you might get a free copy from that. <laughs> 
we'll do a brand deal, a brand on, deal. on the podcast. Um, so that's fun. I'll have to advertise it in exchange for a free copy of the book. Is that is that what we're doing? It's a review copy. Ian. Oh, okay. He's got to put ad a hashtag ad on your Twitter post to yeah. make it legal with the SEC, uh, FTC. Uh, not for resale. A video game store documentary. Documentary. The trailer came out yesterday, doing very well on Twitter. You can also check it out at GameStoreDoc.com. It's uh, I'm, I'm working on it in a producing role behind the scenes uh, with it, and uh, it's getting it's got like over 187 thousand views on the Twitter embed. So it's it's getting around the, the gaming community. So check it out. Ian saw it and he didn't hate it. I don't think I didn't hate it. Did you like it? Yeah. It's good. I like for it. Ian. That's like five stars. How that? That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like it. It's okay. I enjoyed it. Four and a half stars. <laughs> Check it out. And um, we're, we're hoping it's already got into the Boston Film Festival, Independent Film Festival, and it got into another one. You think I would know this? Um, but I, I would know. think you did. No, I don't. That just shows where my mind's at. Uh, but then we're gonna... do you like it? What do you give your own? What do you give this film? What do I? Oh, I haven't. I haven't seen the latest latest cut. Oh, I saw the first rock yeah? draft. I haven't seen the latest. Talk cut. about being prepared. Well, I'm not. What do you mean, Ian? Being prepared? I'm not the editor on it. <laughs> to watch I'm it, just giving. I know. Shit. It's like what? Do you, I haven't seen the latest cut, but uh, I, I I will. It hasn't seen you. It hasn't seen me. But I saw. You know, I saw the first cut. It's going to be about. We're trying to keep it 90 minutes, nice and lean. You want to keep your documentaries lean. You don't want a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour documentary. You want to, you know, you want a pee break every now and then. But hopefully, maybe, maybe it makes a premiere at a certain Portland Richard Gimme Expo later in the year. Maybe, it, maybe, well, besides the film festivals. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, check it out. I'm, I'm proud of the, of the direction. Kevin uh, Kevin James is a director of it, not the Kevin James. Uh, Kevin James, uh, Kevin's a great guy. But he, it's also a good Kevin. Yes, he's also, he's a very good Kevin. He's got a great eye uh, for these shots. It's beautifully shot. Um, so yeah, check it out. Yeah. yeah it, that's something that really came across in the trailer was that everything looks pretty. clean. Yeah. It looks consistent, clean. Uh, speaking of trailers, let's talk about the Joker trailer real, real quick. It's like, uh, an Elseworlds DC movie, uh, coming out later in the year. Uh, no connection to the rest of the DCEU, which is in shambles as we've spoken about. And this is one of the reasons why, because you have now three different Jokers that exist at the same time. You have, this uh, Joaquin Phoenix version, you have the, uh, the ass version, Jared Leto version, with the grill and the awful tattoos. And now you even have the one in the last season of uh, Gotham showing up. Right. So it, it's just a, it, I guess it's an approach you can do with your with your um, characters. It just, to me, doesn't make sense not to have even try to have a cohesive universe. But this trailer looks interesting. I, Joaquin Phoenix is obviously an excellent uh, actor. He's always doing something interesting in, in 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 his movies, and it's like a character piece, character study. Yeah, it looks it looks it looks decent to me. Um, I like the idea of it, and it does. This is one of those areas, though, where there's no real way for them to make this work. But um, where having a non-connected universe makes sense. It works, but then you're going to be set up for disappointment because now, what if this is awesome? Now you want to see him versus a Batman in a future movie. Maybe that's just, I mean, it sucks. It's not, not but, that meant to be. But maybe it's, yeah, maybe that's just not the point. If we thought about it better, it, this is the yeah. way it would have been. And if we didn't have a fucking Jared Leto Joker, that's a huge misfire, you know. Yeah. It was like everyone was telling them, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Now we're going to do it. Okay, fine. I mean, go for it. But What's interesting is that this could this would probably be a good movie not connected to the Joker. The fact that it's related to a comic book might actually take some sort of shine off of it. 
you know, because it, it looks like uh, even I think the the director said like, yeah, inspirations from Taxi Driver. It's like Taxi Driver. It's a descent into madness. Sure. It's also it looks like um, it's also um, uh, partially inspired by the uh, the other Scorsese one where uh, De Niro is the stand up comic. What the fuck is it called? Oh shit, I don't know that one. So that that's supposed uh, to, I've never name. seen it. Yeah, but it's supposed to be like harrowing and like really good yeah and, and that's sort of and De Niro's in the trailer he looks like he's a talk show host in it so there's direct inspiration from two Scorsese films here right so that's always a good thing you know I, I think we're at the point to just go back to your other point real quick um, where I don't think it being related to a comic book will necessarily take the shine off of a movie anymore okay I don't think I don't I don't think it does um, after 10 years of Marvel films I think people realize that... You can take them seriously. You can take some of them seriously. Sure. I mean, Logan was kind of a... Sure, that's true. Logan, Logan was, was an pretty example serious. of that. I mean, there wasn't, very, there wasn't much humor in Logan. And some sort of suicide squad. By the way, the news with that is that, I guess, originally they wanted to recast Idris Elba. As Deadshot. They, they he, wanted him as Deadshot. He but, refused. But he refused. Deadshot's not going to be in the film. Uh, and apparently Idris Elba's going to be someone else. I didn't think I saw Suicide Squad. It, it's on. It was on YouTube at the time. Like each scene was one video. Yeah. So it was like the twenty scenes of the movie or twenty three scenes, whatever. He wasn't terrible. I'm sure he wasn't. Smith, but I guess they they want to go in a different direction, and not being related to that first movie. Besides well, bringing back, they're bringing back Harley Quinn. Obviously, they're bringing back. Uh, I think they bring they bring back Boomerang. The guy who played him was really good. Mm. I forget his name. So they're bringing. So it's not a total reboot because the characters are coming back. What's her name playing? Um, uh, was it Amanda Wall? Yeah, she's back. So it's like it's not a total reboot. I guess it's a softer reboot. Like it's going to be somewhat connected. But it just held over, I guess, is deferring to, you know, deference to Will Smith. It's like, I don't want to take his spot. I'm like, that's okay. Cool. I, I think it's funny that you have so many actors down there that have been in both DC and Marvel movies. And yeah. It, it's, I mean, you, you can go back uh, to... Even directors now. I mean, we're getting to yeah. that point. But you can go back to Chris yeah. Evans. Chris Evans, remember, before, if he did Fantastic Four. Then he was in that The Losers movie, which is a DC uh, graphic novel. Then he became Captain America. So it's just interesting. You have all these guys crossing over into both. Yeah. My rule was he got to die first, at least. And Zachary uh, Levi, who was playing Shazam, was was he he was in the Thor two and three. He was a second oh the second Fencer Heroes three guy, right? Yeah, he was in the second and third ones. Okay, you look at me like I'm strange. I don't. I just don't recall. Like you know, the guy looks like the Errol Flynn looking Thor t- character. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, he he was in the second and third Thor movies. Okay, I believe you. I just don't recall. Yeah, he replaced the, the first the guy in the first one. I guess couldn't get your cast. He had something else going on uh, for that. But now he's Shazam, and you just saw Shazam. Let's I did. do a, let's do a mostly spoiler free Shazam quick review. Uh, so yeah, Shazam was was great. Shazam, um, it was really good. I think that at ninety percent, Rotten Tomatoes is probably skewing a little high on that. But well, that's just a critics' consensus. It is, uh, and I, I, I think but you that, like it, so you would have been part of the ninety percent. Yeah, I wouldn't have given it a 90%. But that's not what a Rotten Tomatoes score is. Oh, it's 90%. Po- right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. the percentage of reviewers that liked it. So, yeah, I could yeah. see that. Um, I'd probably, if I were, was like giving it a score, mm, 7.8, 8.2, somewhere in there. We'll just call it an 8. Yeah, we'll just call it an 8. Too much water, 7.8. <laughs> Too much water. Um, it starts off well, like giving a little bit of backstory to uh, kind of the two main characters that are going to be in the film mm-hmm. uh billy Baxson and um thaddeus 
Silvani. Silvani. I can't ever. Is that the villain? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The villain. Played by Mark Strong. Yeah. Who played, who played Sinestro before in the Green Lantern film with uh, Ryan Reynolds. So it, it, it sets you up pretty well for, I think, a character that no one know, well, a lot of people don't know a ton about. Not the most uh-huh. mainstream superhero character. Which is funny because he's been around for 70 years. Yeah. And that's why it's funny to me. Um, but then it jumps right into the film. And, it, I mean, here are the basic things I'd say about it. It's funny. Um, genuinely funny in a lot of aspects. In a lot of places. Um, it's not a hopeless movie. Like so wow. many DC movies, like a, like a certain Superman movie yeah. was. Yeah, it's it's not a hopeless movie, um, and uh, it, it's just it's kind of the antithesis to everything DC's done so far. Um, there's like very little in the way of death, like you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, collateral damage. Sure, because even if it, you, I mean, Wonder Woman, I thought was really good. That yeah. to me was probably the best out of all these movies so far. Maybe this one will top it or get close. Wonder Woman was the best. Uh, I enjoyed Aquaman to extent, but but I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. But those movies have a lot of death. Yeah, there's war and obviously World War One and Wonder Woman. So it's while there's some joy in it, it's a, still a dour note for a lot of that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie is about loss, but not always in not not necessarily in the um, in the obvious like oh someone just died way there's loss shown in other ways and well he well, he, well he's a he's an orphan correct yes exactly and um, it's it's interesting to see a story that deals with loss but not just necessarily in the death way it shows how people can come into and exit your lives um, it has a really big focus on like obviously family and friends um, all stuff that just I don't know seem to be missing from previous dc movies humanity something that should have been in a superman movie right exactly humanity joy people coming together there can be downs but there needs to be ups yes yes hope um but yeah i mean at the end of the day uh it's it was good uh the action was great the humor was on point um and one thing that i do want to point out is that the uh asher angel and what's the other guy's name something levy zachary uh, Zachary, Levi zachary levy um, or Levi, who, um, who was uh, uh, what, what was he from? He did he was on uh, he was on Chuck. Oh, Wasn't oh yeah, Chuck? yeah, yeah. So um, Levy plays you know the older version of and Billy. Boy, did he get ripped for the part? Yeah, holy shit! But they um, they play the character that they both play feels uniform. It's the same person, but it's a child version and the obviously the adult. Right. Version. They they don't feel like two distinctly different characters. They did a really good job of making um, the character feel as one, even though there's two, um, you know, two characters playing it, and that extends to further on in the movie too. I, I won't say much more about. Okay. That, but I'm actually excited because I think this there, uh, not a lot has been spoiled in the trailers for this. I'm pretty sure. You see, no. From what I understand, I mean, from what I saw in the trailer to the movie. Uh, there's there's still some pretty good surprises in the movie. It's, they, they, this is what they focused on. Yeah, you see him go like into the liquor store, but I'm sure that's like right after he gets his powers, he discovers him and they go. You know. Yeah, it's, do, it's, it's during like, an original. It's, it's doing it's during an initial montage when they uh, montage like when he first gets uh, you know bulked up. Yeah, um, yeah. I was reading about what he had to do to to bulk up. Obviously, look at the suit added a little bit of padding, but he did get ripped for this. And like Men's Health, I read that Men's Health went after him saying, no, that's just a padded suit. Like he did get muscle. So he posted on Instagram himself, yeah, I bulked up. Yeah, of course he bulked up. 
uh, for the role. You have to. A lot of these guys get ripped uh, for, for the role, but it's tough. Like, the, just uh, what you put your body through to get into that shape and what you have to eat. Well, especially because they do it. They don't. They, they do it at a much faster pace than well, anyone else Well, that too. They're not taking a year. They're doing it, like, in five months. Right. You know, and one of the things that, and the same thing uh, I read that Patrick Bateman, who played the, who I love, who played the villain in, in Aquaman, who, he, who was fantastic and everything. He's very underrated. He said one of the things is that you're constantly eating. Mm-hmm. And what Zachary Levi says is that you're eating even when you're not hungry. You have to keep eating. You need, like, the protein and calories. You have to feed your body. And uh, that sounds fun and all until you realize, I don't want to eat, an, uh, you know, another pound of fish today. Like, I don't want to look yeah. at it, you know. Um, and plus, it's tough to work out for. These guys are working out, like, two hours a day or, like, two hours a day, like, five days a week. They, they take days off, but it's just rough. But now he was actually funny because Levi actually said, like, now this is going to be my lifestyle. I'm going to be healthy going forward. I'm going to, I'm like, okay, cool, man. Good on you. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be, we'll be seeing this. I just think it's so interesting that not, we're not even in the summer movie season yet. We've already had three. And we're going to, we had two Captain Marvel movies. Remember, this is originally, this is the original Captain Marvel from 40, I want to say it was 41 or 42. Two Captain Marvel movies with coming out within a month of each other. A Hellboy movie coming out this week and then a huge ass movie coming out avengers uh avengers 4 basically coming out in a few weeks it's it's, it's insane i completely forgot about the hellboy movie so did i i don't think i don't think it was smart for hellboy to come out sandwiched in between these two other superhero movies i just don't think it is because hellboy is a cult character so i think they should have put it elsewhere but it's not marketing movie i think it could get lost in the shop because i want to see it because I, I did see the first hellboy in the theater i'm like oh it's an interesting concept but it's not the sort of concept that sort of jumps out on you compared to like these other superheroes see i love it it's just, you know i mean basically it's a supernatural detective squad but you didn't know it was coming out that's not a good sign oh, i'm for just them. talking about the actual comic but no i'm talking about this movie you're like uh, oh I, I forgot i was coming out that's not yeah. good I forgot Shazam was coming out until I went to see Captain Marvel and saw the preview, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's coming out. Oh, the Captain Marvel trailer during Captain Marvel. So the story behind that was that, um, so originally, uh, real quick, the original Captain Marvel wasn't DC. It was, uh, I believe, Fawcett Comics uh, or Charleston, one or the other. I forget. Um, But then they kept getting sued by DC saying, oh, you're ripping off Superman, even though it's like, no, we were fine. So even though they technically were in the legal right, they got they got ground to the, into the dirt by the, 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 the muscle of DC and the money. So they had a, they sold the character eventually to DC. And then Marvel made him change the name, what, 20 years ago? It was fairly recent they made him change the name uh, to Shazam from Captain Marvel, which is funny. Cause... I know when I was a teenager, it was still Captain Marvel. Yeah, so I, so... I want to say it was like somewhere in the 2000s. I should look that up. I should know that. I should be prepared. But... um. Yeah, it's we're in a strange place right now. That's all I'm gonna say. And 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 it is a different character than Superman. It's very interesting that it's a child doing it, mm-hmm. um, because if you even watch watch some of the DC cartoons where you know, Captain Marvel faces Superman and they they have sort of standoffs when it comes to certain issues. It's very it's, you know it's, it's an interesting character. It's not just another Superman clone uh, when it comes to that. So um, yeah, so we got Avengers in a few weeks with Ian seeing it at eleven o'clock at night on opening night, mm-hmm. and I'll see it the next day. So we'll have a full uh, review uh, for that in a few. And now on to our first topic. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Retrosoft Studios, which is bringing wrestling fans what they've been waiting for, and that's Retromania Wrestling. It's an upcoming spiritual successor to the classic arcade game WrestleFest, which we all love. 
that was released by Technos of Japan in 1991. Retromania Wrestling will be a pick-up-and-play arcade wrestling game with beautiful 2D sprites. You love the sprite work, Ian. I do, and we'll have 12 to 16 unique, distinct playable wrestlers at launch, and they're hoping to add more post-launch via DLC. Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, have been announced. Tommy nice. Dreamer, Austin Idol, Zack Sabre Jr., and just announced Blue Meanie and the Blue World Order, um, which is actually pretty great. Pretty That's cool. Amazing. It's cool to see them yeah, in, a, in a game like it that. It is, um, especially officially. Um, there will be multiple entrance attires for each wrestler. Players will be able to play as Tommy Dreamer, compete for the House of Hardcore Television Championship, and the House of Hardcore Arena will be in the game. Uh, there will be multiple match types, one-on-one, tag team, steel cage, and battle royale, and two-to-eight-player local multiplayer. Oh, that'd be great for a battle, battle royal. That'd yeah, be fantastic. that'd be fun. Uh, ring entrances with entrance music, strategic gameplay that's easy to pick up and play, beautiful 2D pixel art animated sprites with over 700 frames of animation and animated backgrounds. Nice. Crowd yeah. chance. Crowd chance during those big moves. That's great. Yep. And they're going to add more features. So this is in, in development still. It's going to come out uh, looking targeting first quarter 2020 on the PC. You can follow along with the game's development at RetrosoftStudios.com or you can also follow on Twitter at Retrosoft Studio. Leave that last S off yes. there. And uh, it, it looks fun. It has that arcade gameplay uh, style that, that I love, WrestleFest. There hasn't been a true spiritual successor to WrestleFest. They tried and, it, and it, uh, WWE, and it did not go over well. So I'm looking forward to this yeah, for sure. I'm I'm ready to give this a shot. So WrestleMania, WrestleMania 35. It's been five years since Daniel Bryan won at WrestleMania. There, where you're watching it, five years. Yeah, I was thinking, that. It's also been five, which years. was one of the best WrestleManias I've seen. That WrestleMania 30 was fantastic. 30, really? It was all right. It was in the, it was in the top five or six for me. I'm not saying it was the best, <clears throat> but it was it was up there. Um. I feel like we haven't had a, a WrestleMania that's lived up to the hype since. Not to 30. Oh, no, we haven't. No. Nah. No. We, not just for surprises and, and for, I think for pomp and circumstance, we have not. We've hit sort of a lull. Yeah. And that's really what I can have. say with this, this. This WrestleMania has been what I say the last three or four have been where it's been formula. It, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. There hasn't been anything that's surprising or you, that you got wowed at like we have in the past. Well, my buddy, my buddy Adam, who I watched it with, or watched most of it with, um, even said within, like, I think after the, we, we came in uh, halfway through a match, and afterwards, you know, they were showing, like, the arena and whatnot, and he goes, immediately, he's like, this looks small for a WrestleMania. And even when you pan out and you saw, like, the top of MetLife, it, it just, it seemed like a smaller production as well like, production but they still there still was 80,000 people there. sure but you're saying that production wise it looks smaller yeah exactly it just there wasn't it, was, it seems like it was not on the cheap but it was at the budget Wrestlemania yeah it was a budget Wrestlemania <sighs> I I wonder if that's something to do with it I wonder if they they still had fireworks and stuff they, they bring pyro they don't have pyro any, they haven't had pyro for years now on Raw or Smackdown but they bring it back for Wrestlemania you have right. to you have to do that you, you think that's what it was it just seemed like it was a little bit if I was in New Jersey still living there I would have been there I, I saw Wrestlemania uh, the one with Benoit they don't speak of at WrestleMania 20. I was there in 2004, 15 years ago. I saw I, him win. Uh, so I, that was, but that was funny. Was because because back in, back then there was no pomp and circumstance even still. Right. It was just they had pyro. That was a, that was an MSG. MSG does not hold a huge amount of people, and, but the excitement that you felt for that event sure was palpable. 
with every almost every single match was huge. That was that was the, the Benoit triple threat. And we were hot for that. They don't talk about it anymore. That was a huge match. Yeah. Uh, Lesnar uh, Lesnar versus Goldberg was a huge match, even though the, the, the execution wasn't there. Right. Like, that, the buildup was huge. To that even Guerrero versus Angle at that event was a big match. It was like these are big. Which one? Guerrero versus oh, Angle. Yeah, Guerrero, yeah. Guerrero retained the title yep. against Angle. These were, these felt all like big matches. Like these were like wow. Like these like any one of these matches should headline a pay per view. And now you had like three or four of them. And I'm forgetting the other ones went on then. But I'm talking about those are the highlights of that night. And when you looked at this card, you're like, some of that looked like they were matches that would have been on SmackDown. Yes, we can run through these, and I mean, just uh, continue. I mean, that's that's not to say anything again about the workers. It's not saying no, it's not. It's but about it, the count, literally, but. they some of those matches just felt like a continuation of a SmackDown episode with no payoff or or, or, or nothing. It was yeah. just continuing. I don't know. You, so so on the kickoff show, I missed the kickoff show, but you had a women's uh, battle royal. Carmella won. Okay, fine. You had a cruiserweight match. They don't they don't have the cruiserweights on SmackDown or Raw anymore. They have it totally divorced. So. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with that. Uh, but then you have, like, the Andre the Giant Memorial, Memorial Battle Royal, which the whole buildup has been Braun Strowman going after the SNL guys. Um, so you knew what direction that was going. So unlike the, the one th- the good thing about the Battle Royal in the past is that you didn't know it was going to win. Yeah. You didn't know Cesaro was going to win. You know, they did nothing with them after that yep. uh, with the push. Uh, Mojo Raleigh won a couple of years ago, which I questioned, but because they got Gronk involved. So I was like, okay, whatever. At least you didn't know it was coming. Right. Uh, they had, they had um, the Big Show win just because the Big Show has been around forever. It's like, okay. But this year, you knew Braun Strowman was going to win it. And you knew it was going to be a centerpiece for the SNL shit. But it, it didn't play. Like, the payoff wasn't there for it, though. Right. Like, you have all these other wrestlers in the ring. It's like, this is why we're here. All the other twenty guys. Yeah, it was up. just window dressing. There was never a question as to what that finish was going to be. So, yeah, it was. It, people always talk about wrestling is it was fake. It's still fun to watch when you don't know what the ending. It's scripted. It's scripted. We don't know how a scripted uh, entertainment is going to end. Then, so then you but go when and you do, especially in something like this where the action is supposed to be part of what you're yes. watching the struggle it doesn't mean anything because braun Strowman winning this doesn't elevate his character anymore he's already a huge guy it's supposed to help someone else like it helps cesaro um you know in theory it helped baron corbin when he won it i think it was the first winner a few years ago three four years ago so in theory it's supposed to help these people uh like the way the king of the ring used to help these wrestlers this doesn't do anything this is a waste of, of that ev- event yeah. Could someone surprise and beat Braun Strowman, and then maybe he fights Braun Strowman like some random mid card? Like, okay, this is interesting. And it's, it's not interesting, and it's also a, a, a key example of just WWE screwing stuff up because there's no reason Braun Strowman should have dropped back down to the pregame battle royale. Yeah, he, well, no, this was I think that was the first match to kick it off the event. Oh, okay. that was on the main card, uh, I believe. It no, was. no, oh, no, that was the pre card. Yeah, that's always the headliner of the pre card. Oh, then that's bullshit. Because Braun Strowman has been huge now for like a couple of years. Yeah. He should have been champion already. Yep. Um. So then you go into the uh, Seth Rollins beat Lesnar in about two minutes. They fought outside the ring for a couple minutes. He Braun Strowman threw him around, ragdoll him. Uh, Rollins back looked beat up from a couple of the spots, and then it was a two minute match. He low blowed him. I don't have a problem with that. Everyone knew uh, Lesnar was le- leaving. They've said it. You know, Heyman's basically alluded that they're leaving to go to Vegas, which is UFC, yeah, um, which is happening. He's going to fight Daniel Cormier, and which could be Daniel Cormier's last match. That's going to be a huge uh, event. Uh, it was it was fine, good way to kick off the show. I'm surprised they put it first. I, I just am uh, a match that quick, but the crowd was hot for it. 
and it took three curb stomps, or what they call it the blackout now, to beat Lesnar. It's fine. Bye. Okay, so we'll see you, Lesnar. But but the, the the issue with this is that the payoff was fine for this. Sure. But now this is endemic of what uh, the spot that WWE has put themselves in the last three years is that the only guys they've really pushed as legit champions were Roman Reigns, which didn't go over, and Lesnar. The problem is that Lesnar only has been on, you know, doing matches about once a quarter. Yeah. Like four a year. That's hard to build the company around storyline-wise when you have one of your uh, brands, Raw, not have the champion around. And they've acknowledged that. Rollins has said, I'll be around a final champion. But the, the, the point is, is now now you have Rollins leading it forward. And Rollins is a great worker. He could do that to an extent. But he shouldn't have been the only one now. There shouldn't have been guys. There should have been guys built up the last few years. There should have been Ziggler built up, as you said. There should have been Bray Wyatt built up. Now you, there's a vacuum right. of main eventers yeah, that I you have to even, deal I with. I can't even think about who you... Really Ambrose is leaving. He's yeah. gone. You have Reigns left, but he's not a heel character. So, like, who? So people have to step up. But the problem is they haven't built the pathway for these guys to build to, to get to the main event. They haven't. Balor's been in the mid, mid-card hell after his one-day uh, run as Universal Champion a few years ago. And then he, yeah, he just got the IC title. But, like, he should have been... They're all in the mid-card. Yeah. Or even upper. There's no one else, really, that's main event ready. Basically, they, they just it. have no idea how to work their divisions. They, but they have it. They've let Lesnar and and Reigns, like two guys, sort of dominate it for so long that you can't you can't do that for years and years, right? And then guys like Cena are now semi-retired, retired, so they're gone. They can't rely on them. So, but this is the situation you're in, and that's for both brands, which we'll we'll get into. Yeah, yeah. You have Daniel Bryan as who is a fan. He's been a fantastic fucking heel. I never thought that. No, he's been like, a great heel, and, and I mean, this was. Uh, we'll we'll get to. Well, we should. Care. We'll get through. Okay, AJ Styles uh, versus Randy Orton. Uh, the buildup was great Didn't on SmackDown because it. it was basically like, oh, you're just the indie guy. And I, while you're an indie guy, I was here doing it when I was like 22. And, and AJ Styles like, you never had to earn it. You were given this. It was interesting going back and forth. Uh, it actually was. The match, though, wasn't that interesting. It was a standard Randy Orton match. And and, and Randy Orton's not a bad worker at all. He puts he can put together an entertaining match. But Randy Orton never seems to have had that, that, that fourth gear. He's a solid B-plus player. No, he, yo, he is the B-plus <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. Because he'll put together a matchup, probably won't ever really disappoint to that level or be bad, but you're never wow, like, holy shit, Orton did that, or they worked something interesting. It's the same formula. Yeah. And st- so Styles uh, won that clean. It was a good match, I thought, but not. It was a standard. Like I said, it was a standard match. Right. It was standard. Um, then you went into the um, the four-way tag team title match, which unfortunately has been the way the last few years where they, they, they throw all the tag teams in with no real interesting angles. Just throw them all together and have them fight in a four-way. And it's a, it's, it's fine. It's miserable, and it's, the, uh, well, it's not fine. It sucks. Well, well the it's matches awful. are fine, but there's no build-up to them. Besides, they, all the, all, the build-up is all the teams face each other the month before in various comments. That's the build-up. But they have been pushing Aleister Black and Ricochet, who are great, uh, up from NXT as a tag team. But um, the Usos uh, retained. And Black and Ricochet have been on both brands, by the way. They've been doing something weird where they're pushing them as much as they could on both. Hmm. But the crowds, they got over. The crowd loves them. They're both, they're both good. Ricochet's amazing. Um, false count anywhere. Shane McMahon d- defeated The Miz. It was fine. Fine you know, street fight, false count anywhere. You had the Shane bump that looked dangerous where he went over the he went on the, the golf cart top yeah. and fell. Like that. I don't like seeing this stuff. I keep saying it every year. He's, he's, he's older and older and 
he's going to get really hurt, or he does. I just don't like it. Uh, but this is what they do every year with Shane. They turn Shane heel just so he can do this. Just so it, he can get hit, yeah. Just get hit. And then it, it ended with a superplex. You see that? And then mm-hmm. Shane. Yeah, that's where I fine. came in. You want you want to talk about the uh, the women's tag match? It, it was awful, just like the men's one. I'm sorry, I, I don't find them even. I, I don't find them fine. Uh, you have no flow with four people tag matches if there's no story that's been built up over time. Um, everyone gets in the ring, does a couple spots, get their shit in, right, and then and then it that's it. Uh, so it, it's it's disheartening because. Um, most of the women who are in that match are great. Uh, and there's two, the Iconics. Well, I would argue that Nia Jackson, Tamina aren't great. Oh, no, they're not great. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're not great at all. Um, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of the two. There was a... Jax is borderline dangerous yeah, still. There was a glimpse where it was mostly Sasha, Bailey, Phoenix... Um, Natalia. Natalia. And that should have been what it was. Just the, just those yeah, two. Yeah. Fucking whip together an angle in a month. Give them a reason to fight and at least have a good match instead of having a bunch of horse shit. That's like, yeah. I, and, you couldn't even, I couldn't even watch it. Like, it was just, it was hard to follow. They had four tag teams up, but they only started two women in the middle. Like, it's... And then uh, the Iconics, I'm not shocked they put the tiles on them because they're, they're, they've been a great, their chemistry between the two is great. Um, and and um, their promos are pretty good, um, and their looks are good. Their their work is is not good no, in the it's, ring. It's bad. It's really bad. it's it's the diva level shit we had like fifteen years ago. Yes, where you could barely like it was like they were almost afraid of hitting each other because their models doing it, but they weren't trained enough anyway. So and, and that's a shame because like I said, maybe they could be good, but they're they're not ready for it. So I'm kind of surprised they they did that. But I'm not sure if this is leading to. How Sasha Banks has been uh, reportedly very uh, disappointed behind the scenes of how she's been been used. I'm sure Bailey isn't thrilled either, but this doesn't help it. Well, and, and that's why, and that's why I feel like they threw the belts on the Iconics is because the Iconics was the only tag team there that is actually like they're a real team. Yeah, that I mean, it wasn't just thrown together, you know, within the past month for sure. WrestleMania. You know, they are a team. It's not just okay. We're going to put these two together and these two and these two. Sure. Uh, the WWE Championship match, which is one of the bigger highlights on the show to me. Um, I'm looking at uh, uh, 401 Mania's uh, Zonka review giving it four and a half stars. I would not have put it that high. I did enjoy it, but I still was disappointed that this was the big uh, payoff match. It was an interesting, like, heel a ground grappler grounding yeah. the high flyer. Here's the issue with doing a match like that. You don't usually see that in WWE. The fans weren't expecting that sort of match. Right. Where it was more, gra- especially for a main event match where ground-based, more technical, uh, Brian trying to keep submissions on. They used a lot the of psychology and they used it well. Where I think they faltered was um, usually when a match starts with a lot of that, there's mm-hmm. still a pretty... There's still crescendos. And and, and they build a pretty good head of steam to the finish. Um, It was a good match, and we did get some fast exchanges and some excitement in there. And like I said, the psychology was good and the storytelling was good, but it never never blew up. The match never had that, I don't know, there was never that match lit that, you know, threw it into the final four or five minutes or whatever, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably the issue is that someone like Brian could can do these matches in his sleep because that's what he did in the indie. Someone like Kobe Kings is probably not used to these sort of matches too. So even if they laid it out well, I what I what I saw a, a lot in this match was, yeah, 
Kofi getting ground down a lot. Kofi trying to make a comeback and, and, and Brian uh, squash it, which is fine. But there wasn't a lot of Kofi counters I thought that were interesting in the middle part. Where it was, to me, it, it was sort of just like constantly ground down. It was a 24 minute match. They probably could have shaved it a bit. Shaved four minutes of the middle. Four, off five, of six that. minutes. And it yeah. probably would have been a better yeah, version of and it. And that's the other thing. It was. For the length, it didn't have, I guess, the build. Peaks and valleys and if things you, like if, that. Yeah. If you had pulled the four minutes out in the middle, five minutes in the middle, and truncated it, the flow of the match yeah, would have made a lot more sense. The four minutes or so were good. Like the, the, okay. the whole thing was good. It was just, it wasn't... It wasn't that mania main event match. I think that's what I get back to. It wasn't that, like, this is, like, the big payoff match, too. Because this is a reversal of where Daniel Bryan was. Here's the interesting part about this. They were brought dragging, kicking, and screaming to push Bryan. With Kofi, at least, they did the right thing and yeah. propelled it. But the only problem was that with Brian, it was such a huge buildup over like a year. We're like, oh my God, right. we want to see this guy. With Kofi, it's been like a good three-month sprint. Uh, I almost wish that they recognized that in the fall a lot earlier and did it. You know, because then the payoff, it was a good payoff. The crowd loved it, but. Yeah, I was happy. And it yeah. was, it was, uh, I like seeing the, the happy moments where you can tell that the act bleeds into real life i like sure. seeing his kids run in you know him and his yeah. friends and it was I, I hate to bring up the benoit thing it was a benoit sort of thing this guy's been here forever we give him the title i you know. uh i was you know um joking with my friend adam not really joking but i said if this was if this was attitude era or wcw era or if um you know this was booked just slightly worse or if it wasn't them those two would have been turning on kofi after the match I was actually like you were expecting it. I was I was I, worried that I, that I, was going to happen, and it I would... think Big E will still turn on him at some point. Right, you have to because it's the same sort of thing. It's like now, who does Kofi face? What's someone has to step over the void has to be sure. filled on. Well, they're going to do they're going to do the, the whatever the superstar shakeup next week and re, re rejigger the rosters. Yeah, but they're probably going to keep the new day together as a tag team. You have to. That's their identity. But so, like I said, people have to step up. Yeah, there's a there's a big void now of main event talent that there hasn't been probably in, in a long time at this point. U.S. Championship match: Samoa Joe defeating Rey Mysterio in a minute. It was a squash match. I don't know if Rey was injured. I think there was reports that he could have been uh, a little gimpy. I'm not positive about that. But then I I feel it's terrible just because that would be a great match, like a good like ten oh, yeah. minute match. That's what bothered me. Like it came up, and I was like, uh, oh, I forgot about this. And Adam and I were like, oh, sweet. So. We, uh, like, literally, we're talking. We walk over to the kitchen and get a drink, and we hear the match end. And we were, like, ready to settle into it. We were real excited, too, because it was Booker T's guest announcing Oh, match. that's right. And we missed Booker. So, he was... Harlem Heat got into the Hall of Fame, which they, they deserved, yeah. So, um... So, yeah, it could, maybe it was a combination of that and the fact that maybe the championship match ran over. But I'll argue, and we'll get to this in a second, there was a lot of other matches they could have shaved time off of than this. Yep, absolutely. You, know, you want to say even a five-minute sprint I would have been fine with? Not a minute squash match. That's just not acceptable. And I feel bad for Samoa Joe. It's first WrestleMania, and this is what he gets. Samoa Joe is, I guess, Samoa Joe is going to be a main eventer. They have to. He was ready before. He, a couple of injuries uh, sort of sideline him. He's a he's a guy that got to push as the, the the big heel main eventer. Yeah, he's like the Brock Lesnar that will be there around. Mm-hmm. You know, the big killer that you see is a legit killer. Okay, um, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. It was fine. I actually thought it was, it was pretty fine. decent. Uh, coming off of, um, it was a good build up. 
McIntyre takes out the rest of the shield. He beats up Rollins. He he beats up Ambrose. You know, he he beats up Reigns. He comes back. It was fine. I understand Reigns coming back off of uh, battling leukemia, so they're gonna have him win. But McIntyre's again, he's the other guy's gonna him and him and Samoa Joe are probably the two main heels that emerge on both brands. I'm calling it one on one, one on the other to be like the main event heels. There's yeah. no one really else on top of my head that could do it. Um, McIntyre has been great. It was a it was a refreshingly. It was fine. It was a refreshingly fine match. It was fine. And it was 11 minutes. It wasn't that long. Yeah. Now, the Batista-Triple H match. I zoned out. I'm sorry. I can't watch these Triple H-WrestleMania 25-minute matches that are just hardcore matches. I can't do it. What, what, what story does he think he's telling? I don't know what. I mean, but to me, this could have just been a grudge match, 12-minute regular match, and it would have been fine. Yeah, they and- tried the problem with these Triple H matches. It's a vanity thing yes. every year now, where he's got to fight someone. It's got to be a, a big thing with the sledgehammers. Got to come out, dude. Just, dude, you're 50 years old. Let's just, just do it. You're, you're still in good shape, but just do like a, a, a 12 minute match to, for your ego. You don't need a 25 minute match. It's boring as fuck. It's just boring, right? And that's the thing. It's, it's not even like, and the buildup was good. The buildup was right. really good, and it's not even like on a technical level. It's awful it's just boring it's just boring it's just boring it's as fuck pl- it's just plotting if if if, uh, if you took that match again and you shrunk that match down to 12 minutes and you sure. gave some of the, that time to Samoa joe joe and, and, mysterio. and mysterio we could have had a, a quick good match there and we could have had a watchable triple h match but 28 minutes is forever this was the the review uh, said. Well, that sucked. It was slow, glacially slow. There was no energy, and the crowd didn't really react to anything. Time for Triple H to stop being an in ring performer following last year's shit matches, and now this one. But Triple H has to work his epically long matches that have no emotional investment. The plunger didn't even help. Well, so, and that was the thing. Like it didn't seem like anyone was really invested in either of them. Which is well, again because again the buildup was great. I thought people loved were like loved Hollywood Bautista a, yeah. coming back. And this is what they do. I don't even think it's on Batista, to be honest with you. No, he's he hasn't wrestled a match in five years. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't been around. Uh, since he left, he left shortly after WrestleMania, a few weeks earlier, he said, I quit. And that's it with that. Okay. Yeah, that uh, angle versus... And I was getting to this. The order of these matches was strange. Yes. I thought it was strange to put the uh, Kofi match so early. I'm not saying that should be... Because the crowd was mostly dead after the Kofi match, rightfully so. But yeah, that's why you got to put it. I know they wanted the women's match to be last, but you got to you can't put the Kofi match that early. Um, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. It was it was fine. It was what it was. It was exactly what I expected. It was Angle was going to go out on his back. Angle's been he can barely wrestled that well anymore. You know, so it's a five minute match and Corbin wins. After he tried to do a moonsault, and I was like, please don't do the moonsault. I was I was like, please don't yeah. do the moonsault, Kurt. And he did the moonsault. And then, you know, he gets finished at the end with the end of days. And that's it. He came back on Raw and got his heat, and he took out Corbin on Raw, which is almost like then you almost should have did that with the match then. Yeah. It's not usually how you go out, but whatever. It's fine. Corbin Corbin has been a good heel. He's been a good heel. Um, obviously, people hate him, but that's it's actually good heel heat. It's not, yeah. just, it's not like X-Pac heat. It's actually they don't like the heel character. Sure. So it's fine. He's been fine. But uh, I don't know what they do with him now. Uh Lashley versus Finn Balor was fine. It was four, four minutes only. Wow, they gave more minutes to Corbin versus yeah, Angle. I was about to be like, I did. Did I watch that match? I'm like, no, I did. It was just very, very short. Here's the issue with this shit: is that this would have been a big deal, but Balor already beat him for the title 
you know, a month ago. So, like, why did you do that and then lose it back to win it again at WrestleMania? Just have the long chase yeah. for a couple of months. Why do you do this shit? Like, why do you book it like this? Why? WrestleMania is supposed to be special. Not going back and forth 50-50 feuds. Yeah. It, it wasted the Demon. The Demon only comes out, like, once a year, right? And then... the that was and Lashley's been great as a heel, by the way. He's yeah. stunk as a face coming in, and they realize it. That yeah, he's he been great a as face. a heel. So he's been done wonders as a heel. He'll probably be the other big guy they can elevate uh, as well. But he's not good in the mic at all, so it's kind of tough. He's imposing looking. He has charisma, but the mic work is shaky. But right, so we, it's time for the main event because we're getting as long in the tooth as uh, Triple H matches. Oh, here. Jesus Christ, Triple H, God. All right, so um, I tweet out. I thought the, the ending was terrible. I thought the match was good. That was a good match. I thought the match was good. I thought um, it was better than it was better than what I expected it to be because I really wanted it to just be one on one. But yes, but seeing Charlotte's involvement in there gave probably put, gave gave, it, gave gave it some better heat. Gave it some well, gave it some better um, cohesiveness, it, cohesiveness and sure. action in the ring. I don't know that. Yeah, Rousey probably couldn't do a twenty minute match. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that Rousey could have. I don't know that Lynch could have carried Rousey to a, a WrestleMania match if it was no. just the two of them. And Rousey's been been pretty good in the ring. She's done she's done great in this in this in year in the ring. Um she looks legit. She 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 has a lot of the psychology down and things like that. But yeah, I don't think she could carry a twenty just, minute match. It would have been it would have been too one sided. It sure. would have been it would have been too much uh, Or you, you you would see the seams more in yeah, her work. Right, exactly. And and that's exactly what Charlotte did. It really kind of smoothed it smoothed that out. So in the end, I don't think that that was the worst addition. But I still, didn't, I still think it would have been better Becky just versus Rousey. Sure, sure. And I, I don't care if it was a main event. You can do it second match before the main event and do it like a twelve-minute match or ten-minute match, and it might have been the better uh, payoff for this. They decided to combine the titles. I don't know. Winner take all. I don't know what they're thinking about or having the women. I like the unification of titles. Then, then why have separate brands then at that point? Well, for them, I'm thinking maybe they aren't going to. For the women? Yeah. Those have one, the one tag title and they have them all, both on both shows? Yeah, and you could do them on both shows. Maybe they thought about that. Maybe they said, it's not worth splitting off the women's roster. There's not enough talent to go around. They're probably right. There isn't enough talent to go around to have two separate rosters. There probably isn't. To be honest, there's probably like six good, six to seven really good wrestlers between both rosters. I'd say that there's probably more than that, but still. Although I'm really good. I mean, like, could headline a, a, oh, a, a sure, pay-per-view. Oh, sure, sure. Like, pe- like, people like Naomi are, are fine. I don't know if they should be headlining no. big pay-per-views. No. Yeah. Um, but let's get to the ending, since that's the part that... That you're... really bothered me. So, so, the, so the ending is uh, Charlotte's out of the ring. Um, she goes for uh, Rhonda goes for her, her Samoa drop uh, Piper, uh, Piper's pit move against uh, Becky Becky counters into a crucifix pin Rhonda's shoulders come up at the one count they go back down for two and three um, and then so then immediately even the announcers are like oh I don't know if she really got pinned Rhonda what's going on Rhonda gets up immediately and is like what happened after she got up so they were questioning Becky winning legitimately the title in the main event immediately and i just had flashbacks to hogan versus sting at starcade sure with the fa- it was supposed to be a fast count and, and nick patrick the ref supposedly screwed up and it wasn't a fast count or hogan told them behind the scenes not to do it bret hart so it was a semi-cluster because of that and it wasn't clean um and to me it put a whole damper on becky winning to me um i don't know it seems as of monday that they've written that off um so, so the question is whether or not 
it was it was a botch that R- Rousey screwed up, or or and or Becky in doing the crucifix pin. I'm almost 100 percent sure it was Rousey botching it. Then they shouldn't. Then the, then it should have been acknowledged at all by the announcers. They should have just steamrolled well, past course. it. But the I mean I, I'm trying. But even Rousey's reaction was like, "What happened?" Like it was not. It did not look right. Sure. Um, but they've seemed to write it off. I mean, I'm just trying to look at this match as a whole. I'm trying to look at the positive. Um, I I have no issue with the crucifix finish. If you eliminate, if you eliminate the doubt from the end of that, and if they've really written it off, I think it's a fine match. I think it was very good. Um, the crucifix finish does not bother me at all. I like quick finishes like that. I don't think it's necessary that you have to do it clean in the middle of the ring on your first main event to. To, to to do it. Also, I mean, the the reversal finish shows that they're scrappy. It shows that they're smart. And mm. we've also got WrestleMania three with Savage and um, Savage and Steamboat. That ended with a roll up. Wasn't the main event. It doesn't matter. It's, I mean, no, it does. Here, here's why. This this is supposed to be WrestleMania main event. Supposed to be the star making moments. Yeah. They're supposed to be definitively. This is the face. Becky Lynch has been. For the past six months, the the face of the company before they decided to throw dampers on things, have her show up in crutches every week and get her ass kicked. Sure, have Charlotte go into the main event. This is shit, and I have to do the analog to Stone Cold. They would never have pulled this stuff with with someone like Stone Cold back then because I realized this is going to be the next star. That's fair. So when Stone Cold beat Shawn Michaels, it was by the stunner in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. Sure, he's the new guy. Right, he's he's carrying us going forward. Ronda Rousey could have uh, made someone a bigger star by tapping out to Lynch in the middle of the ring. That's true. It would have been that much. Think about that, how much that. And Ronda's going away reportedly, I think, that to maybe have a child and focus on family for a bit. You wasted now her making someone a bigger star as much as you possibly could. And maybe I'm being greedy when it comes to this stuff. But that's what I wanted to see. I want to see that moment. Because think about how much bigger it would have been Ronda Rousey Gets tapped out by another wrestler. The the mixed martial arts gets tapped out by Lynch. Now she's a badass. Now, a crucifix pin, that's not a badass ending. I'm sorry, it's not. That's a technical fine ending to a match. That's not, I'm the badass. I'm the man. She's calling herself the man. You're going to call yourself the man in storyline uh, mode from a crucifix pin that's now disputed whether or not it was a botch or not? Lukewarm to me. I'm sorry. Doesn't seem like it's disputed anymore, though. <laughs> but but well, you can't go back and watch it, even. It can't even be a classic moment. I don't know. No. I can watch that match and enjoy it. What I wanted Becky Lynch to... What I wanted him to happen was Lynch to win. Um, and honestly, the fact that I we that we even got the winner that we would want from WWE, at this point, I'm just not going to... You're just happy it. that... I'm just not going to... I mean, okay. WWE is going to fuck it up any way they can. They already fucked it up by putting Charlotte in the match, and uh, I understand I, why. I, but... I felt like it was a amusing match that was fine. It was better than most of the matches on the card. And then, but there you have it. That's WrestleMania, and I think that's one of the problems is that it was just most of it was just fine. So yeah, all right, we're gonna move on to our actual other main topics. Okay, um, Ian. Recently, we've we've had a lot of controversy uh, about what is a real gamer. Should you? Uh, cheat in a game should there be easy modes should developers be forced to put easy mode in video games and this article came out uh entitled uh i beat Sekiro's final boss with cheats and i feel fine and that's sort of been the i guess the touchstone of, of this conversation it happened now for like one or two weeks about 
uh, it, game developers versus the audience and everything in between. So I, w- I want to hear your take on, on all this. Okay, so my take will probably please no one. No please no one. Be fence sitting. <laughs> so okay, cheat all you want. Play games on easy mode. Do what you need to do to enjoy video games. I don't care. I don't think that this guy beating Sekiro's final boss with cheats uh, is a sin. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Um, you are still playing the game, and at some point, you need to continue. You need to get by. And if that person enjoyed it, then that person enjoyed it. Um, I, by the way, I never heard of this game series before I saw this. Uh, this conversation come up came up. I never heard of it. It looks it looks great though. Oh, it's 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 a uh, samurai game. It's by the same people who did uh, Bloodborne and Dark Souls. It looks beautiful. Yeah, it's also incredibly difficult, just like those games are. Yes. Um, so I have no issue with that. I mean, the larger conversation around, um, you know, the people bitching about how you you didn't overcome anything. You you know, people who put that much stock into video games. I, I can't for personal growth. Yeah, for personal growth, <laughs> I I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't relate to that. I mean, giving someone a bunch of shit because um, they dared to have fun with the game and lower the difficulty, uh, and then acting like it makes you better. It's it's the definition of you have nothing and you're trying to grab onto something. Well, it's also gatekeeping, right? It's like, yeah, it's, you're not yeah. a real gamer because right. you're not. Beating this on the hard difficulty. Yeah, you're not beating uh, this on the difficulty that I I, I I beat it on. You're not. Yeah, you're not overcoming the same thing. You didn't get the same experience. Difficulty is is one of I guess you know many attributes you put with the video game. I guess the argument that some people say is that well, if the difficulty is supposed to be inherent to the design of the game, like with a Dark Souls, are are you ch- cheating yourself by not experiencing the game how it was quote unquote intended, and. At the end of the day, video games are interactive. So whatever I what I get out of it might be different than someone else. Right. Exactly. And if I get out of a Dark Souls, maybe me, I just like I don't know the, the you know the, the dark overtones of it, uh, things of that nature. Maybe the difficulty to me it's a turnoff at some point. Yeah. You, you know, can, may, you maybe can, I would I would argue that yes, with a game that is so based on its difficulty and its repetition, that there would be a level of ease that I think would just kind of for me. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I, this is not so much my thing. But for someone else, I'm sure it's fine. And I, I would, you know, if if there there is a, a reduced level of difficulty that I could see still being a very sweet spot for people who want something yeah. of a challenge and to experience the outer, um, you know, the surrounding world. This series of games that falls under this From Software show has advanced and has added more story and more lore to their games as time has gone on. So now there is something to see and do besides just sure. staying alive. This this author had an interesting uh, quote that, that is pointed out here. Feeling good about what I play and why I play is ultimately up to, up to me. me. Yep. That's exactly it. Um, I would... Now, my, my, my other stance, which might upset some people, is uh, I'm all for easy modes. I wish more games had them. I don't think it's requisite that all games have an easy mode. I think well, people were conflating that with accessibility. Accessibility options are are, are cool to to, yes. to to make them easily easier to interact with if you if you if you have something that prevents you from doing it. 
problems using your hands or you know your reaction speed maybe maybe you're 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 uh legally blind or something so like making taps easier things like that that's that's totally different to me than putting installing an easy mode in the game to yeah. me to me that that i guess to some uh, game creators that that could break their design of the game yes. it's to, to, to some game designers maybe it's really difficult to rethink how to make this a fluent experience to most gamers with an easy mode and i do feel I like guess that, i guess that a vary game the game uh, game right. the game obviously and, well, depending and, that, upon. and that's exactly it yeah. so overall i'm like yes easy modes for sure um but personally i i just avoid Games like Sekiro and Bloodborne and Dark Souls. I like them. They're cool. But I know that they're just not, they're not my, for you. They're not my thing. So I avoid them. Um, I, I feel like at some point when, when that difficulty is so inherent to a, 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 the genre, while you could do an easy mode, and while I'm in favor of these all having easy modes... Uh, Why even go into that direction? Yeah, I guess that's exactly it. I would say this. There's so many video games out there that if, if one turns you off because it's too hard, p- play one of the millions of others and, and go towards it. Right. I don't think I don't think we should be forcing. Obviously, we shouldn't be forcing developers to put in easy modes if they don't want to. That's insane uh, to do that. Like that just it's just counterintuitive uh, to anything. There'll be games that if, if if a certain game appeals to you more because there's an easy mode, then gravitate toward towards that. Now, the one thing I will say about obviously, if it's a multiplayer game, obviously cheats are out. If yeah, cheats are out. That's not even an issue. You're, you're breaking terms of service. You're fucking with other people and things of that nature. If you want to download a hack for a game you bought, go go to go do, do it. it. I don't care. Yeah, so, like I don't. Who yeah. Cares? So I mean, I I'm I'm shy of saying oh they have to put these easy modes in, but um yeah it'd I be mean, nice if they can. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Do it. Do it if they can. And if not, and you've got it on a PC or something, do what this guy did. Download a hack for it. Cheat it. Sure. I mean, that's fine. I just. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I will agree with you. Let's shy away from the the, the uh, you know extraneous sort of oh you're cheating yourself thing. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I'm not, have I'm not... have have better life goals than beating difficult video yeah, games right. to define yourself. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if it was a fulfilling experience for me, then it's not cheating myself. Yeah, if I'm having fun, I paid for it my money. Uh, you know, it, I'll watch it how I want. Yeah, I'll play it how I want. I'm all for the easy modes, the cheating, and single player, and hopefully they'll put them in more. I just think that, I do think that... This has got blown up to a weird point where I thought a lot of this was common sense, and I well, guess it wasn't. I think one of the things is, is with Sekiro specifically, mm-hmm. and, and like the Dark Souls and Bloodborne games, I think it's a it, it's one of the weirder games to make that argument. Because it's so punishing. For, because, I mean, it's practically its own genre of game now. You have racing games, like can't make a racing game more like a platformer you know mm. to to please me um you to at that point it seems like you're just um, it, it's not the best example to make because that is its mechanic that's its genre it's a hard game racing games platform games what? role-playing games this one is hard it's like, just that's, hard because of the, that's its the, genre the, the combat mechanics yeah. are hard to get so get we can get away from that thinking and be like okay well, these are hack and slash adventures. These are RPGs. We can see them for their other qualities. And then, yeah, maybe there can be a, an easy mode. But I just feel like it would have been easier to make the argument using something different than that specific style of game that this one company specifically makes. Sure. All right, anything else to add? Nope. Oh, we covered it. All right, Ian. Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild will support Labo VR, according to our pal Chris Kohler, reporting on this. So this is, <laughs> this is neat. Um... 
I don't know exactly. And how. we skipped Labo VR, really talking about before, and now we're talking about it. So it comes back. Yeah, I kind of think it's going to be neat. Um, so Labo VR is basically a kit that will let you make uh, your own Google Cardboard. If anyone remembers that, uh, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Google Cardboard. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I, I know that some, like some cheap sim- VR, simple. Yeah, it's cheap VR. Basically, you know, you you would slide your phone in and the screen would project the right yeah, images. Yeah, there's, there's, there's little glass things inside lens things to make it VR. Yeah. yeah. So this is, you're, you're, you're doing that for your um, your Switch. And it's going to have some interesting looking titles to it. <laughs> I think it's funny that you slide the Joy-Cons into the top, but you're going to have your Joy-Cons by your head. Yeah. I think that's just funny. So... <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's not some sort of weird uh, gyro cancer shaking your brain or something from the exposure. So they showed some <laughs> flying games and stuff like that, and it looks pretty neat. Um, but they've just announced that they're going to be doing all of Breath of the Wild is going to be available in VR. That's pretty awesome. Just being able to ride around and explore that. Walk around. It's pretty awesome. That's cool. Sunshine day. Uh but the Switch VR, man, that does... I mean, you have you would have to play it like this. This is exactly how you would have to play it. You'd have to play it while holding it up to... To move around. Your head. To move around, to look, to do... Unless... unless and to play. Unless you, you, they do something where you have four Joy-Con support. Well, they... you. I mean, I, I would say maybe you could hook up a Pro Controller to At the it. same time. But then what are you going to do? Tie the shit around your Nintendo head? Nintendo has to think about this. They, they must have had this thought of. Because, yeah, because you're Not right. necessarily. What, you'd be walk, yeah, walking around like, like a chicken? <laughs> your arms up so i mean, not necessarily not necessarily no they'll think of this because that'll be insane no, to do that no, they didn't really, in a fight like this like <laughs> they, they didn't really they didn't really uh they didn't we don't know about yet. the virtual boy either well <laughs> no they they should have said you will play it like this what you will play it holding it up to your face that's no yes. come on yes. really yes that's they can't think of an, of an alternate way to do this? I'm hoping they do, but, I mean, honestly, two to me, what is it? Laying down and, like, resting it on my head? I mean... No, well, the movement is... You know, you have the moving around part, but then, like, the actual walking on another controller. Now, how do you keep it attached to your head? Oh, no, you're always going to have the Joy-Cons on your head. What I'm saying is have another controller in your right. hand. How do you keep it attached to your head? I don't know. Okay, I guess you have an extra wire splitter coming out of it. Oh no, this is falling apart. I was in on this. No, like, no, like, if you let go, it's going to fall off your face. So even if you're using another controller, what are no, you doing? No, it slid into the it slid into the the cardboard the the, the switch. According to that, you're not. Is it? Is it gonna, yes, is, it's a headset. Sli- no, yeah. So how do you, why do you have to hold it if it's in the headset? How are you putting the headset on, Patrick? You're, it's you're, a set of goggles you hold up to your eyes and look through. Oh, so it's not strong enough to stay in your head. You can't strap it on. No, that's what. Oh I'm no, at. that's just falling apart. <laughs> oh no, that's what I'm getting at. They you have not shown that oh, yet. No, they this have is, not shown that. This is unusable. <laughs> this is like the Virtual Boy. You have to have your face on something and and basically hold it there. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, so the the Mo- Odyssey is going to be what, like a small mini game, bite sized bonus experience. So that's going to be just a little cute little whatever thing. But right. So Breath of the Wild is going to be the main selling point, but it doesn't sound like it's a selling point anymore. Well, it's a fr- it's like a it's a tech demo, but it's you can't a actually... it's a free tech demo. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. You can't really play it though, like you... play through it. Yeah, easily. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, you're not going to be playing. Oh man, Zelda like this. I was almost in for Nintendo Labo cardboard VR. What? 
So, yeah. Uh, the VR will be quite different. Super Mario Odyssey will get a bite-sized uh, bonus experience with a series of three mini-missions in which you collect coins and musical notes. It looks like Breath of the Wild is getting full-on VR support in the main game. You'll simply be able to turn on the VR goggles in the options menu and explore all of Hyrule in VR. Pre-rendered cutscenes won't be in VR. Well, yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, that'd be kind of freaky if that happened. All right, so, so this is coming out uh, April 12th. Uh, and then the updates are coming on April 25th for the games. Yeah. They got to figure that out. Come on. The, the, well, this is like a half measure, right? Nintendo didn't want to go, I guess, go, go in a v, on VR. Maybe this was a way to test it, I guess. Well, my thing like, is, my eh. thing is, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. The Labo VR nah. for the market is, nah. a, is a cool idea. Little toy. And yeah, I mean, with the way the controllers have been shown and stuff like that, sure. I get it. I get, you know, they, they've worked it out with you holding it up to your head. Um, so I feel like the Zelda thing is just like, okay, we can do this. Maybe it wasn't as hard as we thought it was uh, for them to do it. I don't know how. But now it's not practical. Because they didn't design their But it's not practical. Around, yeah. So I, I feel like it, that was more meant to be like a cherry on top of a cake to the VR kit. Like, look at what else you can do. But this is going to be focused on too much, I think, is a failure. And I think it's just meant to be a neat little thing. Although the, the modders will figure this out, though. They'll, fi- they'll figure this out. Yeah. There'll be some crazy Zelda fans that want to play this properly. And they'll, they'll figure out some way to hack this up. Yep. So that you, you got to... Hit the hit the the joystick on next to your ear when you're playing it. All right. Um, I don't know about this. You don't want to talk about the atmosphere nightmare? I think we can. Discovered. I think we can scrub past that. Okay. Well, real real quick, real quick. So the Discovery uh, Hidden Palace posted um, a new Super Nintendo game ROM ha- has been found based upon. Remember those VHS horror? Yeah. Uh, nightmare. Uh, yeah, nightmare. It was, it was a was board game called... with the VHS tape. The, the 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 creepy guy spoke to you. You can find all yeah. the clips on oh, clips we, on. We can talk about it. so YouTube. yeah. And it's uh, it was so it was discovered in a bin full of um, EPROMs, EPROMs, and they testing them out. They they found this. Um, so it had been mentioned in magazines, but it had never been shown. Uh, it was developed by Beam Software, so I don't know that we're really missing our anything. buddies at Beam Software. <laughs> Let's bring up the super the, the NES games they've done. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah, uh, they did uh, Radical Rex, Shadow Run, and Tom and Jerry Frantic Antics. Now, Shadow Run is decent, but still, Beam Software has done plenty of not so great uh, stuff, especially on the Nintendo. Anyway, so these were these were meant for uh, let's see, meant, meant for magazines based in Europe to preview, which is sometimes how these are found. They send right. them out to magazines and they never come back. Yeah, and then the original company, whoever who owns who owns the right to the Beam Software uh, library, maybe I should, I should buy it for a nickel. <laughs> it's worth. Um. So yeah, it says that you know it basically turns into a, an action platformer. Um, and the gatekeeper will appear, uh, you know, throughout the game, uh, who will attempt to thwart your progress, uh, and you're trying to avoid the gatekeeper's unfair rules. So it sounds, shit. so it sounds like it might be the case is perhaps like, you know, the main bad guy would show up every once in a while and I don't know, maybe modify something like in the game. Just like, like, so the problem, I guess this is just a weird thing to do. Yeah, the crossover between I guess you know, there, there was that six seven year period, late eighties or the early mid nineties. We had the VHS interactive uh-huh. board games. I we weren't rich enough to have those. 
I, I, I never I, had one. I played one at a friend's house. I think I bought the, the, the wrestling one at the swap meet because I saw it one time. And it was like, woo! You know. Um, WWF one, I meant. But it's a weird property to do. To try to create create an action, I guess, action platformer out of it. Um, the ROM is out there, I believe. So you can yeah, play you can, it. Yeah, you can get it. Uh, and you can see this is how it is. But obviously, this, this is fairly breaking. But let's. You want you want me to go over Beam Software's NES collection? Yeah. Of games. Yeah. Airwolf. Mm. Aussie Rules Footy got three stars from Jim, so maybe that's a decent one. Back to the Future. Mm, sorry, Rue. Back to the Future two and three, even worse. Even sorrier. Bad Streets uh, Brawler. Oof. Nope. Bigfoot. No. No. Bo Jackson Baseball. I thought that was decent, but it's not great. Dash Galaxy in the Alien Asylum. Mm. Game's awful. Days of Thunder. Whoa. Yeah. Family Feud. It's okay. It's kind of hard to screw up a Family Feud game. Fisher Price. I can remember. Fisher Price. Perfect fit. Oof. George Foreman's KO Boxing. I think you reviewed that one. Hunt for Red October. <sighs> international Cricket. Got pretty good reviews. So they're good with the international uh, the international um, games here. Um, what else we got here? That was published by Laserbeam. Uh, Mickey's Adventure in Numberland and Mickey Safari in Letterland. Mm. Nightshade. That's decent. That's kitschy. It's decent. Power Punch 2. Ooh. Nope. Punisher, I think, is better than average. And Star Wars, which has issues. So we're talking about a shaky developer that, that did this. Yeah. <laughs> Very shaky. So um, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that this got out there. It got preserved. Again, it's great that we're now still discovering. We say this now every month almost that we're discovering these games that people didn't we, we either knew it existed or didn't know it existed, like like the wrestling game, uh, the UCW uh, yeah. NES wrestling game. Yeah, it's been a, a month ago. It's been a pretty interestingly uh, green season for prototypes. Uh, and with that said, uh, we have another story mm. about uh, game prototypes that are are unknown and or undumped uh, here. So, Ian, uh, we mentioned uh, some of this a few years ago, I believe, yep. in 2016, when it was re- originally discovered uh, by self-proclaimed game preservationist. Preservationist. Patrick, Patrick Scott Patterson. He's a historian, too. That he came across, or it sounds like from our reports, he was donated from someone who was a, a game tester or worked at a game magazine who had preview copies. Uh, it was a few different things. It was like the, the Mallrats Genesis title, mm-hmm. which was, we thought, lost. Uh, I, I, Akira. I, Akira Game Boy title, which, which I believe was based upon the Famicom version, which I think came out. Um, and then there was a third one that was totally, has totally people didn't know about or didn't know much about was Heavyweight Hockey on the NES, which was a totally original title. So for a, a few years, I guess, we haven't been keeping track of this or not knowing what's happening is every once in a while, Ian, I was, would wonder myself, Hey, what's going on with these uh, prototypes that, as we know, mostly are unreleased or undumped. Yeah. He went to, uh, I believe PRGE in 2016, had a panel. He showed them off. Um, I looked at some of the comments on YouTube, on the video showing the gameplay, um, wasn't digital gameplay again because the ROMs aren't dumped of just on a TV. Oh, here's mall rats. Right. Here's heavyweight hockey. Here's, uh, Akira. Um, even in the comments, people are asking, hey, what's going on? Are you going to dump these? And some of the comments uh, were asking that, which is a you know a question you would ask a game preservationist. Yes. And his response was always like, well, I don't know how to do that or thinking about what's best for these games. And so it was always kind of weird language when it came to it. And I totally forgot about this. You're until- Patrick Scott Patterson. You know people who can do this. 
Well, this is what happened. I was coming out of yoga yesterday, and I saw Ian at the gym, which I thought was great. I was, I was shocked to see you there. But uh, <laughs> I hope you had a good workout. You're nice and sweaty. Uh, I, yeah. I looked at my phone, and someone said, hey, Pat, talk about this. And it was closed, sold eBay auctions for the Akira Game Boy multiple prototypes in various stages. One's more finished than the others. And also for the heavyweight uh, NES hockey game were sold. So in the listings, when you look at them, it's made a point that these games that were sold were unreleased and undumped prototypes. So the set of four Akira uh, Game Boy ones went for $2,700, and the heavyweight hockey one went for, what was it, $1,500 here. And what happened with uh, Mallrats? Mallrats, I don't know that. I am not supposed to know what happened with Mallrats, Hmm. but... From my sources, that was sold in the past. Yeah, to okay. someone. So, here's here's okay. Here's where we're at. This is the worst. We talk about the best case scenarios when it comes to game preservation with UCW getting dumped. The, the people yeah. that find it dump it, um, or someone like Steve Lynch uh, helping and, and the video game uh, you know preservation foundation. Uh, helping save sim city yeah. literally saving it and putting down money just to get the rom dumped um a few years ago mm-hmm. at at portland a year and a half ago a year ago yeah a year yeah. and a half ago um that's the good side of people coming together and doing the right things for these games that could potentially be lost forever this is the worst potentially case scenario counterpart to that happening when games that are not preserved in any way that we know of getting sold still undumped and to a third party and dumped so and you know that that increases the value of them yes so um i am not totally surprised by this news because you could have uh mr patterson obviously could have dumped these any time in the past few years and took it upon himself to decide not to do that and yeah, you can't say, you can't say you don't know what's going on or I you know I don't know what's best for these games when preserving them is obviously the best for the games and like when the UCW thing happened saved and dumped in like a week yeah uh, it was sent to uh, yep it was sent along to uh, good old Frank Cifaldi, um to get it dumped not I'm not saying Frank should should he's not the person that has to dump all of these there's other ways you can do it for NES games you can buy a device for under I think it's under forty dollars. I believe you can do it with uh, a with a. Uh, I believe you can do it with the analog. You can do it with analog. Uh, I guess if you if you if you can probably do it if you have to a Retron five because that that pulls the ROM out as sure. well. There's ways you can do this, or you can easily find methods of doing this. Or there's probably several individuals who would not only dump the ROM, but if you ask them to keep it private, they would. They would just have it saved somewhere, right? Just in case something really awful happened with the prototype got thrown out or stopped working. Because some of these games can stop working if they're EEPROMs as well. So what we have here now is a situation where we have a third party that's um, bought two games, right? And I don't know who bought the Mallrats one. So there could be a chance, I'm not saying it's going to happen, there could be a chance that these games are still undumped and will be unpreserved or will never see the light of day. That's shameful. And there's no other ways you could put it. It's shameful. And this is coming from a guy who calls himself a game historian and a game preservationist. He has, me, this sounds like a game opportunist. 
He runs videogamepreservation.com. Yet doesn't and did this. Yet doesn't dump. Mm. Not only doesn't dump it, doesn't seek out those that could have easily done it. Yeah. Don't try to turn this into oh it was too hard. I didn't know what to do. No, this is this is a case of of just maximizing the value on games that reportedly were donated. Yeah. Reportedly. I can't say for sure that's the case, but I, I've seen that these may have been donated. So if someone entrusted Mr. Patterson with these games yeah, to someone... preserve them, yeah, and then years later they're still not, and then they're just sold for money, that's a, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't, I, that's that's low. I mean, I can't, I, I'm trying to put a, I can't sugarcoat it. That's a, that's a scummy just move, if, that, if that's what happened. Even if it's not. It's, it's still scummy. But I'm just saying that's even lower. So, uh, Mr. Patterson uh, on his website, videogamepreservation.com, video uh, you know, basically said that he's moving on to other business ventures. Uh, this came right after these sales were noticed too. It was like it was it was, it was like bam bam. So like, he knew this was he had to put out some. He spin knew on that this. The, he knew that there was going to be some 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 blowback on this. When I switched over to videogamepreservation.com URL in 2017, it was supposed to signify my next logical step in my lifelong love for this stuff and efforts to preserve and study it all. This project was 90% self-funded and aimed to become a long-term development, but that same year, two things happened, and at, at this point, those two things have essentially put this project at a crossroads. The first and overwhelming main development came in the form of a new and unexpected business opportunity. One of those true fell-in-your-lap kind of things that you can't plan for nor turn away. While the video game preservation project is a labor of love, the new business opportunity, which has little to do with video gaming, was a labor of highly profitable work. As a father of two and husband, it'd be, I'd be foolish not to focus as much time and energy as possible in developing that opportunity. So I did so, quietly putting this project on sleep mode with full plans to return to it. Okay. This is fine. That's, that's all fine. That could be, all be true and fine. That's not an excuse for selling undumped prototypes that you know you're you're supposedly preserving. I'm I'm just I can't even be angry. I'm just, it's, I, it's just gross. It's it's sickening. It shows people for who they are. And I'm glad that if if this individual is getting out of this, that's probably the best thing for all of us in the retro gaming community. And I am probably, I should say, not only speaking for myself when I'm saying this. I'm probably just one of the few, including that, will publicly say this. This is for the best if this individual stays, well, ghost phone, stays away from this. Do you agree, Ian? I'm just waiting for your phone to stop talking. Okay. You stop talking. Um, yes, I agree. Because uh, probably just best. Call a spade a spade. This was an opportunity to maximize the value on something. Yeah. Because um, here's the thing, Ian. If these ROMs were dumped, even privately, or we knew people that had them, you still could have made a good amount of money on these games. Yeah. Maybe not the maximum amount, but you want to say 70%. Uh, an unreleased, unreleased prototypes still go for a decent amount. There are collectors that still want them. Yeah. But like you said, advertising it undumped specifically. To get that, get that few extra hundred dollars out of it. Yeah, that's that's the price of your integrity. To really, those few hundred dollars to really pander, from those sales to really pan the extra. You want to say extra thousand dollars? That's what your integrity is worth. We we that's the price we just put on it. Yeah, because you still would have made money selling these 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 uh, these uh these prototypes. 
It's not like they would have been unsellable. That's just the maximum amount. And if you want me to be perfectly honest, if you went to uh, someone like a, you know, like a, like a video game uh, history foundation, maybe you could have worked something out where they would have paid you a little bit of money just to d- make sure the ROM was dumped. I would have put in money towards that. Yeah. An unreleased NES game that, that even if there's a 1% chance I know gets sold privately, will never see the light of day. I'm in for at least a few hundred dollars. Why not? Just to make sure it gets dumped. It's a, it's for the better of all of us that it is. So I'm hoping, I guess at this point, I am imploring whoever bought these games and and, and the Walrats one as well that, that, that we don't know sickly. I think it's been sold. We don't know where. I implore you to please, if you're not going to make it public, to please at least archive the ROM and make it available if, if someone wants to at least study it or write about it and get the information out there. I'm not saying you have to publicly put the ROM out for everyone to download that. That's not what we're saying. At least have it saved and archived and safe. And that's because that's what preservation in the day is supposed to be. Yeah. Not reselling shit on eBay. Yeah. Call, calling reselling uh, preservation is it's a far stretch. So it's yes, a far cry. I feel like, yes, leave the hobby and don't, don't come back. Do, do whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll all be better off, quite frankly. Ian, um, yes, Pat. We are the official Battle Royale podcast. We know that. Mm-hmm. And um, our our friend Prince Harry is it's, it might be the only time we talk about the British royalty on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Prince Harry saying that they should ban Fortnite. Yes, uh, he wants them to ban Fortnite because he doesn't see the value in these addictive video games. The value! The value. He said, uh, should it be allowed? Yeah. Fortnite. Uh, I I just, I want to know when... He came at a YMCA event in London, just, just before the Gaming BAFTA Awards. All right, what did he say? He said, Fortnite shouldn't be allowed, or... Uh, what is the benefit of having your household? It's created to addict, an addiction to keep you in front of a computer for as long as possible. It's so irresponsible. It's like waiting for the damage to be done and kids turning up on your doorsteps and families being broken down. He also suggested that social media is more addictive than alcohol and drugs. These, these are entirely outlandish things to even say, though. It's not. No. Because uh, games are created to be addictive in some way, especially a free-to-play game where they make their money out of keeping you there and buying shit. Yes. Thank you for having a keen fucking grasp of the obvious, Prince Harry. Yeah. Um, um, the the kids showing up on your doorstep and families breaking down. You're he's, he's going a bridge too far. Yeah, you're, think, yeah. you're going a uh, little crazy. Yeah, and, and you can't ban everything. Then you might as well say, well, let's ban, you know, alcohol. Yeah, let, let's ban sports because sports, sports sports get people, you know, in front of the TV and you know doing all sorts. Yeah, of Yeah, there's people that spend a lot of money on on, on there's there's gambling addicts. You know, but I do know that in Britain, there's gambling websites they advertise on TV. Like whenever you, you know, you watch like the Sky Network, you know, for for advertising, there's always stuff about you know betting lines and websites. So maybe get rid of that, Harry. There's there's addictive person personalities that are drawn to these things, and yes, there are games that are made to be more addicting. You know, like MMORPGs, uh, certain online games. We get that. But the the answer isn't just to to ban them, and I guess I guess some people were turned off that it came from Prince Harry just because it's like, well, you know, 
you can be entertained any way you want. You got tons of money. You're the yeah, prince. And, well, and that's, I mean, that's exactly it. You're so not. It's more at this point. The messenger also shouldn't have been the right messenger, even though if the message was not totally off point on some some parts. You well, know. He's not. You're not an expert on it, Harry. He's not. Um, but you know, being royalty, I think. Uh, sometimes makes people feel like they're experts or that their opinions are more important, and that's dumb. It's dumb as shit. Uh, I, I just don't think anyone wants to... I think, in particular, no one wants to hear it coming from royalty. Yeah, I guess so, but they love the royalty in Great Britain. They love them, so I don't know. They, you know, they, they want them around. It's pompous. It seems classist. Oh, video games are not for the royalty. Well, he's saying it's not for anyone. <laughs> he's at least certain ones. Um, I, I think... Um, yeah, I think it's more like, it's more of a class thing because like yeah, if you're it's very much a if, class. If thing. you're if you're upper, you know, 1% of 1%, uh yeah, you have so much going on that you you might never even have to play video games to have fun. Like you don't have time, you know, like, right. we're, we're going to we're going to go we're going to go the oh. You're too busy fucking the horses in the polo stable. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> Let's not cast total dispersion at Prince Harry in this case. Already did. Okay. You know, you just married the lovely Meghan Markle. Let's <laughs> Let's not, let's not go totally him. nuts on it. Uh, right? Was it Meghan Markle? Yeah. Yes. Good for him. <laughs> well, good for him. Meghan Markle's lovely. Um, <laughs> God. So, um, uh, okay. So, I, you don't know if Harry's he a fan of the He blows horses. No, no, We're no. Done. No, I don't want to make Prince Harry an enemy of the CU podcast. I'm not going <laughs> to Blows horses. <laughs> All right, we're done. Wow, that's like I was expecting for the last topic. <laughs> you brought it upon Prince Harry. <laughs> you, you kept it. You kept it uh, reasonable uh, there. All right, Ian. We I don't want that message to be diminished. I don't care if our message about this is. That's diminished. true, and there's a chance we might run into the individual again. And you know, while it'd be funny if, if he knows that, you know, we, that's you know, we don't want to create too much drama. All right, Ian. We have a scumbag seller of the of week. 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 Uh, this is coming from um, an article, uh, hack and hackinformer dot com. And you know it's problematic when even the writer of the article at hackinformer dot com starts off with. This review might be controversial. On a site called HackInformer.com. We're reviewing the True Blue Mini, which is a USB device for the PlayStation Classic that comes preloaded with games. In the same vein where we have reviewed GBA clones that come preloaded with games, we do not advise this unless you buy blah, blah, blah. So, the only way to play legal, legally, uh, play legal backups is to own the physical copies already. But is the True Blue Mini worth it if you already own the games? Elbow, elbow. Tick, tick, tick. So this is a prepackaged thumb drive that you plug right into your uh, PlayStation Classic, and I guess it auto loads or automatically puts on the ROMs for you to to play. Yeah, basically, it's just the plug, plug and play. play. You plug it in, and off it goes. That's it. Basically, uh, you have uh, you know a new library of games to play. It includes a mini USB hub, so you can enjoy all the fantastic two player games without losing your second controller. Oh, so there's an output on the back of it. How nice. That's good. So, <laughs> nice. There's a list of fighting. There's a so there's a fighting game pack. Then there's a meth pack. Well, hold on a second. So there's a fighting game pack that has the Battle Arena to cheating games, Bloody Roar, Dead or Alive, Dark Stalkers, uh, Knockout Kings, K1 games, which I heard are pretty good. Ready to Rumble, Street Fighter games, Tekken, X Men, arcade games. Okay, 
meth pack you can go. Um, there well, was there was also a a crack pack that's not listed. I so, don't know. Okay, so what makes this the meth pack? There's all drug games. No, no, we, it's the, a bunch of just different no, shit. The other one's crack. It, I, it's I don't know. They think it's cool to use. It's the hack scene with the skull and crossbones. It's, I mean, maybe they think that's neat. So yeah, there's a meth pack and a crack pack. So the, meth pack has got you know a, a broader range than the fighting game pack. It's you know it's got everything from like army men to Batman and Robin. Um, Chrono Cross. So Meth Pack looks like it has what seventy games roughly, something like that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think it's got a, almost a hundred, over a hundred. Okay, so there's three different packs that they have USB drives for. Yeah, and I think each one is larger. I think like the Crack Pack might be the Meth and the uh, Fighting Pack together. I don't know. Either way, they're selling you ISOs on a USB drive. That's what they're doing. The pros of this review at hackinformwork.com said, well, there aren't many pros to discuss here. Yeah. Okay. It comes with the hub. Oh, it comes with a separate hub. It's not built into no. the USB stick. Okay. The drive works out of the box. All right. Cons. Uh, it costs money to get something you can get for free at home. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a big con. Yeah. I think. Literally and figuratively, it's a con. This company charged you actual actual money. <laughs> There are no there are, extra, features. extra features. It's literally just ROMs on, on a on a on yeah. a device. Hundred and one games. I guess that's the meth pack. Hundred and one, so about a hundred. Okay. All right. So this is packaged up like in a box, semi professionally. You got your little plastic insert, ready to go. Um, it's it's thirty bucks. For something that you could buy your own thumb drive for for three dollars, thirty bucks for the, the fight ISOs. pack. That's two dollars in ISO. That you can f- probably find a torrent of all. Oh, these. I'm sorry, that's that's fifty cents in ISO. Uh, f- uh, this is what it says. It says we only use high quality components and ensure 100 percent plug and play compatibility with your console for any region, any time. Beware of low quality slash faulty clones. Okay, so True Blue uh, was a company, and I, I guess there's more. T- behind this than I know about, but they were a company that came in uh, big during the PlayStation 3 era by making uh, dongles for the PS3 that would hack the system. That oh, okay. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, ages ago. I don't think... So anyone after them. one of them, I, th- yeah. I think. So, um, this is the same company, but now they're just throwing ROMs on a, a flash drive. Anyways, it's lame. It's dumb. It's, it's, it's sort of that, yeah, if something was sort of gray before... Some of the products that they were featuring, yeah, now, this is now, not gray. Yeah, they may they went from gray to dark midnight black. Yeah, exactly. Black market. You know, this is this is uh, yeah, this is not good uh, for that. And um, I didn't see where the, what the uh, the third pack was, the crack pack. So the fifty eight games on the on the fight pack, and then the crack the meth one has a, where was the, where was the crack one at? It's not on this page. Oh. They just mention it. Okay. All right. This is just dirty, dirty stuff. Again, it goes back to you know you can. Dirty Look, pool. You can go around and find. There's still websites out there you can download ISOs yourself too. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to deal with it, but this is just weak sauce. So uh, yeah. So the True Blue Mini that even HackInformer.com cannot even suggest uh, is our scumbag seller of the week. I'm amazed that they were able to write that much about it. It's a long review for. It's a USB full of fucking ROMs. Basically, <laughs> what it comes down to. All right, Ian. We have. Tales from the Game Store, and we have an intro that I forgot about, so let's just run the intro right here, and I'll cut from there, Kieran. Tales 
All right. You didn't see the intro yet, Ian. It's, it's saucy. It's good. Okay. So, Ian, we've, we've gone a couple weeks without a Tales from the Game Store. So the, the, the Tales from the Game Store gods, you know, they have a way of coming back into our lives, I think. Well, I got a visit from the, the early 2000s this week, uh, and also there was nearly a shooting across the street from work. So there's so those. So which one is what we're going to go into? Uh, let's talk about the uh, visit from the 90s. Uh, so I'm sitting at work, and uh, I hear... I hear the. You always know it's going to be fun when you can hear the people coming into the store, trying to talk to you, before they come into the store. So I hear this guy, this guy with a big deep voice. Oh yeah, we're here to do the video games, and they walk Woo! on in, and they walk on in, and the guy looks like Vin Diesel, circa two thousand and two. Younger Vin Diesel, Fast and Furious Vin Diesel, very broy Diesel, okay. little little less muscular, right? Shaved head, shaved head, shaved head, and he walks up to me and he's like, "What's up, Brody?" And I'm like, immediately in my head, Brody? I'm like, "Brody, oh shit!" So <laughs> like that much, what's going on? We're here at Luna Video Games. Yeah, nice man. All right, so you got all like PS4 games. Uh, you got what? What game? What? What? You know what's popular? I'm like, I have PS4 games over there. My kid's got a PS2. Do you have PS2 games? I'm like, absolutely, sir. Right there, sir. Whole bin. So, uh, whole rack. So, the guy with him is, like, much, like, smaller. And he's playing, like, that diminutive role, like, from the cartoons. He's like, yeah. 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 PlayStation yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything the guy says, he's like, yeah. Yeah. So, then he... He's like, like a sidekick. Yeah. Character. Like a sidekick. So, he's looking at him. And he's like, "Oh man, what would I want? What, what would my what my what my kids want to play? What would I want to play?" And the little guy goes, "How about some Tiger Woods? I mean, you like that?" He's like, "Oh my ninja! I love Tiger Woods! Oh my ninja!" So we've got Brody, and we've got Ninja. So that is he swapping that for another N word? Maybe no. It was just Ninja. A Ninja. Uh, okay. It was it was big. Um, it was big in. Uh, 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 juggalos like to use ninja. Oh my ninja! Oh my ninja! I've never heard that before. Okay, well now you have. It's like twenty-year-old bro it, terminology. It, this is very. This is late nineties, early two thousand. I don't know where. I don't know. How do you know this? I don't. I don't know what book he because because I I went out and did stuff. I don't know. Um, I don't know what book he's getting his style or his linguistics from. But he's got to be like forty or forty-five. Is the other thing like he's not he's not young. He looks like Vin Diesel did when he was younger, but he was probably 45. Sure. So he picks up a Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's like, this looks like it'll be good. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good, man. Yeah. Sonic's good, man. And basically, the dude's like, yeah. And uh, he's looking around, and he's like, oh, ninja. My ninja. And I'm like, so now he's <laughs> used it twice. At you. You're the ninja in this scenario. Uh, and this this time I am. You're the ninja. This time I'm the ninja. I'm like, what's up? He's like. Gotta tell me you got that Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. You got, yeah, you got Donkey Kong. Right? Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, you got Bowser. I'm like, uh, four... And he's like, the PlayStation 2. And I'm like... Yeah, I was good on PlayStation 2. Yeah. I was like, my, I was never on the PlayStation 2. I said, you know, Mario is just Nintendo. He's like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I can be... I don't know about that, bro. Don't know about that. And his buddy actually goes, no, no, it's just Nintendo. No, nah, man, you're crazy. It's, it's just, just Nintendo. Nintendo. It's just Nintendo. Nintendo. <laughs> that is always, no, nah, man. It's just Nintendo. 
So <laughs> anyway, he then finds out. I, I tell him about the sale. He finds out about the sale. It was a sale. Uh, buy two get one this past weekend. That just happened. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Um, I miss it like every year. Was it twice a year? I miss it twice a year. Son of a bitch. So, uh, all right. He looks around and he's picking up games, and I swear to God, they were just coked because the guy was just so loud and bigger than life, and he kept going, mm-hmm. you know, like he's fucking rocketing whatever's left in, into the back of his throat. Um, and then there's just this sudden death of energy in the store. Okay. They're looking around. They're not talking to each other. They're not really looking at each other. They just crash. The guy's not talking to me. <laughs> and he's got this pile of games on the counter. And he's like, well, I'm going to get, I gotta, you know, as he's setting them up, he's like, well, I'm going to come back for the sale, but I got to get something for my kid. And I think I'm going to get something for myself. So he's got these games and he just walks up and he goes, yeah, I'm just going to wait. Okay. And picks up like six games and puts them back on the counter. And he walks out the door with his friend and they're silent. And he looks at me and he goes, Laters. 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 So he walks away and I'm like, What just happened? I'm like, Where the fuck did he get warped in from? <laughs> it was like Bill and Ted. Dude runs back in. <laughs> oh. Comes up to the counter, looks like he forgets what he's going to say, and goes, yeah, yeah, I'll be back for the sale. And then again goes, laters, and walks out the A second door. time. Yep. So leaving the games, he picked off the shelf on the counter. No, he, he put them away, oh, left. Then he then came back. Then came back in, looked like he forgot what he was going to say or whatever, because so he was just back. like, yeah, I'll be back for the sale, and walks, walks away again. Did he come back for the sale? No, he did not. <laughs> Honestly, I, no. Actually, I don't know. I was at a different location, so he may have two locations. She'll be alcohol. Okay, so that that's interesting. He had a '90s, late '90s, early 2000s I, warp warp zone happen. I felt like I was about to be Fast and Furious. Okay, um, steal those DVD players. Yeah, like I. So is there a secondary tale from the game store? I don't. I don't need to worry about that. No, someone uh, someone got tackled across the street with a gun. Oh, that same day. That's all. Oh, that same day. That Maybe same it was day. him. Like like forty five minutes later. I think it was him. <laughs> There's a chance it was him. Forty five minutes later, uh, I hear a bunch of yelling outside, and I go out there and I see a bunch of fat, doughy white men standing outside the bar. And then um, this is like the afternoon. The bar's open. Afternoon. This is Saturday this afternoon, is, Thursday. This is this is like Thursday afternoon at Drinking. two p.m. All right, here's to you or three, somewhere in there, <laughs> and uh, they're yelling at another dude. Uh, uh, another, <laughs> it's a very doughy bar. Very um, doughy, yeah. Okay. A very, uh, another guy in a, a hoodie, another doughy white man, and um, they're arguing, and the one guy out of nowhere goes, "You got a gun." He's got a gun. Oh, wow. And I don't see any gun. I see the one guy has his hand in his pocket, but there's no gun. And the guy's like, is that a gun in your... He's like, pull your hand out. And the guy's like, no. And this is like the guy who's... This is not the group of guys. This is the guy who's standing. And there's this drunk asshole. And I know he's a drunk asshole because he's always fucking there. He's always fucking there. He's behind the guy, right? Who's like supposed to get have the gun. And he like looks across the street and he flashes me a smile and he's like down like this behind him 
He, so you're outside the store looking at this happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm watching it happen. <laughs> and the guy across the street turns and sees you. So the guy with the gun supposedly is talking to these the other, other guys. Okay. And then one of the bar patrons is like behind the guy with the gun and he's in like a tackle position. <laughs> he's in a football stance. Yeah. He's in a football <laughs> stance. And he flashes me this like weird grin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're talking and then just the dude just boom. Tackles him down. The guy splashed you the smile, tackled him. Yeah. Was and it a good tackle? It was. It worked. It was an acceptable tackle. Um, yeah. So then they were on top of him and then they got off the guy. And if the guy had a gun, I don't think you'd just get off of him and let him walk away. So he didn't have a gun. He didn't have a gun. <laughs> At least I don't think he did. Because they let him get up and then they started talking to each other again and the guy walked away. If he had a gun, you don't tackle someone with a gun and then just let them get the gun. No, he didn't have a gun. Yeah. They just, he, that was, okay. Then the cops showed up and the guys at the bar out there being like, he had a gun and this, that, and the next thing. And yeah, it was just, honestly, knowing that bar as well as I do. This is El Cajon? Yeah. Okay. Knowing the bar like I do because I'm across the street from, I think they were all just a bunch of fucking assholes and they wanted to fuck with the guy. Fuck with this guy. But you can't do that and then have the cops show up and no gun. That's that's a false arrest. Well, the guy, they let the guy walk away. So then he didn't have a gun. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. They, they, they said he had a gun, tackled him, kicked him a few times. He got up like a minute and a half later. He yelled some stuff, and then they let him walk away. They just wanted to assault him. Yeah. Wow, okay. Don't go to that bar. <laughs> it doesn't look a good bar to me. No, and it's a bunch of really... Yeah, it doesn't look like a good time. All right, Ian. So that made up. That was a, that oh, was a twofer. That was a three. Want to save one for next week? Uh, uh, no, but then something else happened. Oh, uh, this, when I opened the store in the morning, oh, there God. was a guy walking down the alley. It's a threefer. Just chatting away. And he looked at me and then turned away and yelled. And I kid you not. And I don't take it seriously, nor does this need to be like a focal point because... If you don't get your medicine and stuff like that, these b- bad things can happen. But he yells, I will kill your fucking children, and then keeps walking. So right. that, that was how I opened. I'm like, this is a bad, bad this, day. Is, this is a bad premonition, like a, a bad omen. And then at the end of the day, I broke the open sign on the store. You, how did you break it? I touched it, and it was so sunbaked, it fell and shattered into Oh, one of the plastic ones yeah, you put on? Yeah, it time, just shattered. Time for an upgrade, Ian. <laughs> At least time for an upgrade. And I taped it back together. Oh, no. <laughs> I had to. I needed some hours up there oh, until no. I got the replacement. You, you, you duct taped it together? Yeah. Let's All right. See. What, is that, what does that cost for a plastic? $1.99. Okay. So you should have one. It, in still, had, it still had a uh, price tag on the back of oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, did you buy a new one yet? I'm sure. I'm sure. Is that coming out of your coming out of your salary with yeah. Treg? I'm sure it was purchased. Okay, that's that's it for this uh, this really strange uh, CU podcast. Later, wrestling game preservation run amok. Uh, a weird VR thing with Nintendo. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm finishing up a certain Super Nintendo. Oh, Guy we Buck. do have to cover the Patreon topic. Oh my god, we almost forgot the Patreon topic. That's How did right. I remember that? All I, you need I don't to know. Do is go to patreon.com slash CU podcast and pay us. No, Ian. <laughs> this is the new way you fuck me with it. No. God, Ian. You'll you... never have a perfect one for me. No, no, I guess you you want less patrons then. You don't want to gain them. What the fuck? <laughs> what? I don't know how you find this humorous. It's funny. It's oh my god. Alright, so Patreon poll topic. Uh, Ian's also going to do a Google Hangout, maybe this weekend, we don't know. 
Um, third place, 11%. What other gaming books would you recommend? No one wants other gaming uh, books to be recommended to them, apparently. Um, I thought that I, there's a couple that I actually recommend besides ones that I might work on. Uh, 27%, 27% games you've wanted to finish but find too difficult. Number one, 62%. That's a runaway. With a bullet. That's like a Vladimir Putin election. Uh, for Ian, has working at Luna changed how you view games or game collecting? Take it away. Yes. By the way, is it just me or does it feel really damp in here? You're sweaty today. You're, you're a little sweaty. You're, you're rambunctious. Maybe that double diet coke, too much caffeine. I'm fine. I'm actually pretty good. My no- nose is a little mo- moist, but my nose always sweats. Sorry. And so yeah. how has working at Luna changed your perception of games a, and game collecting? You've got a wet nose. I've noticed that about you. My grandfather. Great grandfather. Anyway, All right. So, so anyways, uh, the first thing it really changed for me was um, realizing that I didn't need to hold on to all this shit. Uh, as, a, as a game collector yourself. Yeah, as a, as a collector myself. Um, just being in the store, and obviously this doesn't go for all rarity things or even things entirely that I collect, like PC Engine, which rarely comes into the store. But you work. I, I worked in the store long enough that in the first few years I realized this stuff is around. For the most part... It's no, accessible. 98% of this stuff is accessible. Yes. It, it's always going to be here. If I sell this and I am upset about it, if I wait long enough, it's going to come back around. I'm going to have another opportunity. And, and, and maybe at a close price point to what you sold it for. Yeah. If not too far out of bounds. So you're right. not losing money. Exactly. Um, you know, there are obviously instances of games that have jumped up in price over time. Lots mm-hmm. of instances in that. But there are plenty that stay basically the same. Mm-hmm. So it it... I don't know. By watching how the store operated, I realized that owning stuff can be fluid. It doesn't need to be permanent. Okay. Um, now, did your interactions with certain patrons also sour you on game collecting? Yes. Uh, yes. Certain interactions did, um, especially early on when the whole notion of collecting games and not playing them was still alien and radical to people. Like 2006 yeah. ish. Um, you know, the when people, game collecting got bigger? Yeah, the people who would come in initially and just collect to collect. Um, I can think of the one... There's one... Per- yeah, kind of you. Um, but there was one person in general who... Uh, you know, just when I met them, they put it to me in such a way that seemed so unappealing and so actually uninterested in the history of what they were doing. It seemed like they wanted to collect it just to... One of those looks good on, looks good on a shelf, shelf sort of thing. Yeah, they yeah, just, I, I, I've heard that. Our mutual yeah, I uh, just, person we know that. I just... I uh, it, 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 it soured me to the idea of collecting. And it was those types of people who were just buying them to buy them that made me go and look at my NES collection and go, I did this wrong and just get rid of all of it. At the same token, though, some of those guys, you know, obviously they, they bought stuff from your store. They helped the stores be successful. Yes, it, it is. Because there's some esoteric bullshit that only collectors want. We are talking about its effect on me, not the yes, store. Sure. I, yes, business is good for the store. I'm talking about me. It made me go home and look at it and realize I don't want all this shit on my shelf if I'm not using it. Um, so I did. I, I That was kind of the uh, start of me getting rid of my NES collection. It was so big and so overgrown, and I wasn't going for a complete, but getting rid of, like, picking and choosing what I wanted to keep just seemed sure. daunting. And I was like, you know what? At that point in time, the N8 EverDrive had basic the the EverDrive, the N8, had reached that already come perfection. Out. Yeah, you know, it had been reiterated a few times. 
I got one, and I let that replace my library. Um, I'm more into just playing games now than I am into collecting them. Um, Mahjong aside. Mahjong aside. Uh, yes, Mahjong aside. Um, and I, I generally, um, I don't, I don't want to talk like it, it. I like to play games after work, but I don't want to talk about video games. Between this and work, I have enough video game stuff in my life. So um, it's while it's still a hobby, I guess it's probably my less apparent hobby now when I'm outside of work. If that makes sense, I play video games, but I'm not, and I play a lot of video games, but I wouldn't consider myself. I would no longer consider myself like a, a, a collector or or a gamer necessarily. I have collections. Are you a preservationist? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because games come into the store and they're sold, does that make you a preservationist? No, I'm no, just wondering no, randomly. No, it doesn't. That's not a preservationist. Okay, no, just making sure. It doesn't sure. make me a preservationist. That's not a preservationist. Okay. I, I, I like game preservation, and if okay. I could help it in some way, I would, but okay. selling stuff is not a game preservation. Okay, just want to make sure. That's not what game preservation actually is, is selling things that so, you acquire. Long story short, it's kind of... It, it, it helped me... It helped me in a, in a good way because it kind of rounded off some of the more extreme edges of what I was maybe looking to do with collecting. You know, I, I was at one point that person who wanted the expensive titles and stuff like that. But at a very important crossroad, it calmed me down on it, I guess, as opposed to getting me more excited for it. I was ramping down right as everyone else was getting more excited. It's interesting because I guess it's not a parallel. I mean, I've gone to God. I don't I don't want to God. I've gone to what? The past, my first conventions uh, related to stuff was like 2010 with like MAGFest and then like uh, SGC. So the past eight or nine years, I've probably been to like 60 plus conventions. Holy shit. Maybe something like that, 50 to 60 conventions. My God. Something like in that area. So after you go to a lot of these conventions, you're constantly seeing, you see a lot of the same vendors. You see a lot of the same games over and over again. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of the same thing where... I realize that some of these games aren't as rare as, as you think. Sure. Um, I always go back to seeing three copies of NES Blackjack available at Too Many Games a couple of years ago. And, and I think one of them might have might have sold uh, when that happened. NES Blackjack? Blackjack on the NES, yes. You forget this oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, it's a rare game. Just Blackjack. It's a yes, rare game. Yeah. You, you never find it at the swap. I mean, it might have come to Luna like one time ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think we've had it twice. Yeah, twice. Mm-hmm. That's, twice in like whatever, 12, 15 years, whatever. So... I saw three of them on convention. Then you keep going to conventions, and then the same convention, you see three stadium events. Portland, there was three stadium events. Within 50 feet of each other, there yeah. was three stadium events, literally across from the different vendors. So it's the same sort of thing. They're not as rare. We're past the point of people looking out for this stuff. It's now mainstream since smartphones that anyone holding on to these in their attic, or, or they'll look it up and see, oh, this is rare. I'm not going to throw it out, or this is worth money. I won't get rid of it. Or even if I can get 20 bucks for five NES games, I will probably do that. Mm-hmm. We are seven years past that point. Six, at least six years yeah. past that point, where people know to look out for this stuff. So it's the same sort of thing. It's sort of like what happened to parallel with me collecting Star Wars toys, where once eBay hit, I figured out, oh no, they made millions of all these Star Wars toys, they shouldn't be worth what we think they are, and they're a lot easier to get. Yeah. And now that's happened. We've matured that way with, with uh, most most video games. Most. Most of them. I say at this point, there's, there's, there's not really any sort of console out there that people are looking out for and realizing, oh, we still have to find these or, you know, have to... There's, there, there's a collector for every system. Jaguar, Neo Geo Pocket Color, there's a collector for every system at oh, this yeah. point. So we're, we're past that point of having to... 
uh, hoard all this stuff to make sure that it's in people's hands. There's no need to quote unquote preserve it to that extent anymore. We're past it. So, so that's how it happened. Uh, well, even if I if I help turn help turn you off the game collecting even one percent, then all right, I, I did I did I did a good job. It was a good thing. It was a good thing. I still bought that baby boomer. We became friends, even though it was awkward. At Prince first. of Persia. Prince of Persia, baby boomer, all, all those Ducktales in the box, two, two in the box for a good deal. I think I bought it for forty bucks. That's when it was worth. That's when the cart was worth forty bucks. Yeah, and I got it complete for forty bucks. Thanks for that good deal. You're welcome. Good, good bro, 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 bro price. Bro price. It's still on the shelf. I haven't sold it. So anyway, well, that's it for this uh, CU podcast. This ran a little bit longer than uh, normal, but there's a, we had a twenty minute WrestleMania segment. <laughs> that's why I think it was longer than twenty. We, we said we're going to keep it fifteen minutes, so. I tried uh, to like Retromania got the, got got their ads worth yeah. <laughs> Retromania <laughs> wrestling. Uh, yeah, uh, working on a certain Super Nintendo guidebook, uh, not for resale. Check out the documentary trailer. More news on that later in the year. I am starving. I, I'm probably going to stream on Twitch for a little bit. It's up to Ian if he wants to join me. I think I'm going to go home eat and maybe stream a little myself. Since oh, I, since I finally have that set up now. You, you have it set up for your PC. Yes. You got OBS, Streamlabs? Yeah, that's how I was streaming. Uh, Lincoln and I were testing the uh, Mega SG the other night. Oh, you were streaming it? You don't let me know that. You were streaming. Well, I guess you were. I didn't know. I literally, we fired it up for half an hour to test it out. But yeah, I've got the, I've got it set up. Well, well, now you can have team streaming. You can bring people in. I think it's in beta still. That's weird. I don't know how that worked. My face shows up and I look at you watching the Genesis game. I don't know. We got to try it. All right. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. I'm starving. We will see you later. Laters! (laughs) Ninja? Later, my ninjas! (laughs)